Warning, the following audio may be disturbing to some of our audience. Listener discretion is advised. It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? We understand that this audio may be very difficult to listen to. To some, the date 12 May 2019 may not have any significance at all. I envy you. To others, it was a bitter night as one could possibly experience. If you did not feel agony in your soul upon hearing that audio, either you have come to grips with reality or you are unable to experience emotion anymore. The process was declared dead numerous times over the years but in no moment did it feel closer to fact than that fateful night. Game seven concluded and the enemy survived. Fast forward three long tumultuous years to the date 20 April, 2022, and the agony we once felt, which still resides deep inside each and every one of us returned, but this time for the opposition. In the time it took for 2.6 to tick down to 0.7, the sound of a ball hitting cotton and an entire country going silent was enough to provide some closure for that emotional night three years ago. You may be asking, why would they make me relive that? Well, without pain, there cannot be growth. Without experiencing the agonizing defeat of Game 7, the pleasure in the present moment would not be nearly as delightful. The next few weeks and months will be about exercising demons from our collective past. And while Wednesday's stunning victory does not completely eliminate the Sixers' past in Toronto, it is a step in the right direction, 75% complete, if you will, toward exercising demon number one, the Toronto Raptors. Now, in all of his glory, Tom McGinnis. It'd be Maxi trying to break free. They circle around. It's Joel. He turns. He fires for three. It's a, it's good. It beat. He makes his shot. And the Sixers have taken the lead. Joel beat along the far sideline. And the Sixers take the lead. Point seven to go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 51 of the PA Turn Pod, the Exercising Demons episode, step one on our journey to an NBA championship. Joined by Joel. I am Rob. How are you today? I'm pretty good. My voice is. Sound like Doc Rivers. <laughs> well, I just called a great game the other day. We just heard it on the top of the show, but I'm doing good. That was professional right there. See? I had a cough mic there i didn't I step doc, on it right. i thought doc was in the room with me we're good we're here we're live um yeah i'm good though uh i have a wedding in t-minus two days Ooh. not stressed about it i didn't lose all my hair didn't lose my beard in the process i have no chin i realize so guys if you have a beard never shave it off you look like a boy but i'm good i'm ready for game four in toronto tomorrow saturday or whenever you're listening to this how about you how are you doing? I'm worse now because you reminded me I can't grow a beard. Um, <laughs> you can grow a, a mustache though, like no one else. This has can. been a roller coaster of days because uh, it started this morning with uh, just waking up with the dogs and I watched Sixers highlights on my phone, so I'm off. <laughs> and then we watched the Kawhi shot together and then I felt terrible again. 
And then I felt good again because I heard Tom McGinnis's voice. Yeah. And now I feel bad again because I can't grow a beard. But um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to tomorrow or later today if you're listening. The uh, the Saturday, the like sixes are due for a clunker. We'll get to it later. But Saturday, two o'clock. No way Harden's not eating boneless wings tonight in a strip club somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it's been a good week. Um, it's been a one that's kind of dragged a little bit for myself, but it's been a good week. I'm, I've been tired all week, though. I'm looking forward. It's been a good week of uh, of just sports in general, aside from the Phillies. Yeah. But the playoffs have been excellent, haven't they? I mean, we shouldn't even call them the Phillies. They're the Philadelphia uh, baseball team yeah. at this point. But, uh, yeah, I could echo the same sentiments. Playoffs have uh, been fun. It's been a great uh, sports week, minus a Philadelphia baseball team. Um, yeah. It's been great. All the games have been pretty good. Uh, we thought, I think we're on record on saying that it was a blowout four-game sweep for the <laughs> Bucks and Bulls. Proven yeah. wrong in both Proven games because yeah. Bulls should have won in game one, but they blew it. And then they just hammered it down in game two to Rosen. We'll, we'll get to it, but there's there's optimism that Chicago could take both of the next two in Chicago. So Without uh, Middleton, I guess, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but I'll, yeah, we'll get to that uh, soon. But uh, first, I've been waiting almost 11 hours for this. Uh, it's time for Pirtle, ladies and gentlemen. Time for Pirtle. This yeah. is the uh, the part, aside from the ad, this is the part that people skip the most because <laughs> it's just silence. So Pirtle is the NBA guessing game. It was um, created as a... In 1999. Yeah. <laughs> it was created for people like us that don't want to play Wordle but want to play something Wordle adjacent. And now there's one for basketball. There's one for football. Music. One, there's a baseball one. Yeah, there's a uh, music one. There's one for history too, apparently. Is there really? The nah, Bozos be, did it on uh, TikTok. Oh, they do. There's one for countries too, isn't there? Is there? They show you a picture of a country. You have to figure out which one it is. Oh, Jesus. And it, it gives you hints as to like the population and the size and all this stuff. There's there's also another one that's like for Google Maps. Like they pinpoint like, I don't know, a random street and you have uh, to look around and then you have to like guess it. There's a guy on TikTok so who's like a genius with that. He goes, oh, well, the, the, the signs in Oklahoma have this little green thing on the front. And he's like amazing at it. All right. So Pirtle, uh, Joel right. and I are going to try our best to guess this. I got it on my second guess the last time we recorded. Chances are I'm not going to get it at all today. Because <laughs> Kate Von Looney. <laughs> Von Looney is not the answer. All right. Uh, we'll do it like Bozos. I have a premonition to start. You have a premonition to start? Yes. One, James Harden. Uh, I always go with Pascal Siakam as my Let's go. And I got nothing from it. I'm not even going to. Oh, dude, you would get this. <laughs> you would get this. All right, uh, my second guess. Let's see. Uh, what? All right, not that. Oh, I got the division. So I got the position. He used to play for this team and the height, more or less, I got. I have the division right now, and that's it. Oh, wait. Oh, I know who it is. Uh, okay, I got the former team of this player. See, this is what I was telling you about. Shouldn't Pirtle, or ladies and gentlemen, you can agree with me or not, shouldn't Pirtle let you know that this player has already been picked as a guest in the past? I think it should. Because now I'm wasting a guess on possibly a fucking course. All right, it's not him. Dude. I don't know who it could be. I uh, have two teams that he used to play for. Oh, I got the team now. <sighs> what the fuck? Um, Definitely the last... This is tough though because I don't. Dude, know silence is deafening though. Um, uh, I still got the. I was a young bull. It's a young bull. 
God. Let me see this. Uh, oh, no, it can't be him. Ah. Oh, I know who it is. I don't know. Wait, I don't know. Oh, I got division. it. I, got I, I know it. the division, but like, I know you would get it the moment I saw what I saw. I, so I looked at the silhouette of my seventh guess, and I got. I might the, do that uh, now, actually. Oh wait, so oh, I think I know why you think I got. It. He's a former Sixer, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually the architect of. Well, I won't say it yet. I have, I have no a idea who I, this is. I have a story about this guy. I have no idea who that is. Do you want a hint? Dude, there's no shot. I know who this is. You know who it is. Come on, really? Yeah. I didn't watch the process years. He was. He wasn't a process. He was here in 2019. He was traded midseason. That helps. Uh, that's crazy. But Nick Pavetta was the baseball one yesterday, and now we got a former uh, former sixer for the uh, what this the one. fuck? Let me see. If you look at the silhouette, you'll probably get. It. I forgot this guy was on this team. Devin Booker has not played for the Sixers. That's all I can no, think of at this he, point. He looks like Booker's little brother, just mutated a little bit. Mutated? Hmm. I don't know, dude. I really don't know. I really don't know. Do you want a hint? Sure, but like, I don't think I don't I'll get it. Help. He was the uh, he was the main piece in the Tobias Harris trade. That helps. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Ah, uh, and I think we talked about that too because we were talking about Tobias Harris and uh, the Boban. Fuck. Yeah, so, so this guy, I was actually at a game that this guy played, and he missed like every shot. Did he? <laughs> it was the night he got traded. I woke up in the middle of the night. Your niece was like, "Oh, they made a trade." <laughs> I was like, "Who who who'd they trade with?" The Clippers. I was like, "Oh, they got Lou Williams." No. Oh, they got Montrezl Harrell? No. I was like, oh, they got Tobias Harris? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I really don't three, know. He's a three-point specialist. Let me try. Played for Brooklyn, played for the Clippers, played for the Sixers. Dude, this is that was a wild guess I had. I really don't know. No way. Uh, you got it. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just cheat. That's bad. what everybody else does. How do I cheat? Look on, look at their roster. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> that's how that's how you two get it. This is a uh, no. Crime. That's not how I. That's how most people get it when they post it on Twitter and they got to be the third guest. Idiots! I do that. I only look at the the division because I don't know all the division, the teams in the division. I usually can only think of like three or four per division. The, the central division is tough for me, and then the uh, the northwest division is tough for me. Somehow I'm gonna get this wrong. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. It doesn't come up. I got it wrong every single time. Wow. Oh, I got it now. <laughs> That's you... that was bad. Bad representation of my pearl skills. Cause I've been did dominant. Did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Landry oh, okay. Shamit. Yeah. Shamit. Not, what uh, what did it for you? <clears throat> After uh, oh, what did it for me? Yeah. To like get what him. Gave, what gave it away? Oh, like what landed you on him at the end? Looking at the roster. Ah, so you cheated. <laughs> at the end. All right. What was your uh, your order of guesses, and then we'll move on to the playoffs. James Harden. So as he was a former Sixer, I was like, all right, Sixer. My kind of game. There should be a full Purtle game devoted to former Sixers because there's so many of them. Uh, yeah, that's why I was like, oh well, this fucked me because there's a process error that I never watched. Jamal McGee, Hollis Thompson, like all these guys. Then it was T.J. McConnell because it was a guard. So I was like, all right, T.J. Uh, but I forgot he's still on the Pacers. Then I went Robert Covington, but I now that I said that, I think he was a guest at one point, right? Cov? I think he might have been, yeah. So then I went, all right, Covington Sarge. I don't Sarge. know what team Covington's on. Is he a Clipper still? He's still a Clipper. And he was a former Clipper, Landry Shamit. So I was like, Oh, that's right. right. He was, yeah. <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, I have no idea what I'm doing. Dario Sarge, but then I think he was a guest as well. Recently. He was, yeah. He, he, your niece got it on the first try because of the silhouette. But then that's what landed me 
as he's a Phoenix Suns. So then I went Alfred Payton. Oh, that was all the way cleared all the boxes Except until it got to the, the age, <laughs> age and number. And then I looked up on the board. I'm like Javale McGee. Wait, Alfred Payton's still on the the Suns? According to so Bertle. he actually he actually got traded for Dario Sharage. That's hilarious. Yeah, Alfred Payton. Uh, yeah. There and then you got Shamish. So my first guess is I always have since the first time I played this game is Pascal Siakam for no real reason. Just, I always go with him. I don't know if it's good <laughs> luck. So for, for him, for, for the foot, for the basketball one, I always go Siakam for the baseball one. I always go Bryce Harper. And for the football one, I always go Matthew Stafford, which is my always who I go with. I don't know why Siakam when Siakam's not correct. If like nothing checks off, I usually go to Kevon Looney. But since he was the answer, I started using Anthony Edwards as my second guest. Yeah. So that gave me the conference. Um, since he wasn't in the Northwest, I went LeBron, see if I can get it on the Pacific. Pacific was correct. So I went with Paul George, and then that's what told me he was a former Clipper. So I went Chris Paul. And then that gave me guard, team, and all that stuff. And I went Cameron Payne. And then I realized, oh, Landry Shaman. I also looked at the silhouette. I usually don't like doing that early on. I do it toward the end. And the, the silhouette kind of just gave it away. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the silhouette doesn't really give it away. doesn't give you anything sometimes. Yeah. You're like, oh, generic. Like, Kevon Looney, some, some people were like, I don't know, what is this? I'm like, I knew off the shoulders. The shoulders things. somehow, yeah, of all things. <laughs> but then uh, we had Olenek. I'm like, oh, that I oh, knew Olenek, Olenek would have to give you one. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be the Morris twins one day, so you have to guess at Which least one? two to get the answer. Yeah. Markeith. <laughs> Does it matter? I mean, they both look very, they're the exact same. They have all the same tattoos. Did they play for the same team at one point? So that they did. Just not they work actually, out? when they were both on the Suns, they actually got a combined contract. That's fine. I, I guess to not disrespect the, the lesser talented one, they got like a combined three-year, God knows how many dollars, and they have a joint bank account. So Jesus I guess that's Christ. how it works. They, they are the same person. They're, they're, you know, so there's an NBA conspiracy that um, that when Markeith got hurt, when he was a wizard the one year in the playoffs, he uh, like miraculously came back the next game. Mm-hmm. And people think it was Marcus playing in his place. Um, so the Shamit story, I went to a Sixers, actually, ironically enough, a Sixers-Raptors game, and I think it was February 2019. Yeah. We went. It was like a Tuesday night. We got tickets for uh, for Christmas. And Shamit, so Reddick didn't play. Shamit started, and they lost. And I think that loss is actually what did him in. was like a panic move, and Elton Brand over the night made the trade for Harris. I think maybe they knew they were going to make the trade heading into that game because Shamit was terrible. <laughs> and he missed a lot of shots. And at the very end of the game, he had a three that I think would have tied it. But they called him for an offensive foul because he kicked his feet out. And I think that it was just like running was on the wall. We woke up like three in the morning. Oh, they made a trade. I thought it was Lou Williams. I thought it was, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Harold. Uh, Tobias Harris? I know nothing about him, but I know he was like the main guy everybody wanted. And then watching him Jake play. Cole. Yeah. How cool they got Mike Scott because they traded Chandler, so they had to replace all the tattoos with somebody else. <laughs> and they traded uh, Mike Muscala, who deserves a banner in Wells Fargo Center because <laughs> his game-winning shot in the bubble a couple of years ago got the Sixers the 21st pick yeah. because it was top 20 protected from yeah. OKC, and that's what became Tyrese Maxey. So uh, <laughs> the world works in mysterious ways, my friend. Well, we talked about before the show – Top five people who should be ringing the bell. That should be one of them. Oh, he should in the be the top yeah. ten. Oh, Brett. That's who it was. Brett Brown was the other one I couldn't think of. Uh-oh. So I, I came up with the top five list of people that deserve to ring the bell, and that's it. Because I'm tired of seeing Meek do it. I'm tired of seeing 
uh, Julius Irving do if he doesn't deserve the name uh, Doc anymore? So I came along to, with so, Glenn, Glenn Rivers. <laughs> so I decided Nick Foles for obvious reasons. Allen Iverson, although he's very cliche, he should still do it. Jimmy Rollins because he was like the unsung. Well, he was he was the One sung up. hero, but he was the guy that spearheaded the whole. Hey, we're good now. And like yeah. basically forced the Phillies to win. And he also rang the bell the only game they won the Boston series in 2018. So he gets that. <laughs> Brett Brown, because I mean, God, dude aged like a president. And Mark Zumoff. <laughs> and the six would be uh Mike uh Tom McGinnis, but yeah, it'd be silence work. on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McGinnis would get uh would get it, but he does have to work. So now there are some other guys you could probably go to. Um like, like Muscala? Like Ryan Howard, I think would be cool. Howard. Uh, Bernie Perrant did it last year for Game 7. It was uh, last year, Game 7, they did Brian Westbrook, Ryan Howard, and Bernie Perrant, like the three Philadelphia athletes, and Bernie was, like, fired up. So I think he would get the crowd going. Would McNabb get a cheer? I think so at this point. <laughs> if it's a Sixers game, we're ready to see a win. I think people would cheer whoever. <laughs> um, here's another good one there. I think um, Doug Peterson could do it. Yeah, Doug, Charlie Manuel. Yeah. People, oh, Charlie. If, oh if he can God. ring the bell. Oh, my God. Charlie would get an ovation. <laughs> Bryce Harper. Oh, Bryce Harper would crush it. Carlos Ruiz would have no idea what he's doing, but people love that, dude. I love Carlos Ruiz. Uh, Brad Lidge. <laughs> Who would be the worst guy to do it? Ben Simmons. Al Horford. Al Horford, Jesus. They Carson Wentz. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he might be the worst. That Judas. Uh, Chip oh, Kelly. Man. See, now, uh, Chip Kelly, I feel like we get a mixed reaction because people realize how hard it is to win in the NFL now. Yeah. Who's um, uh, another really bad one? A former player, right? Coach. So if it's the Sixers, I think uh, Jamal Mashburn, but people are probably so far removed from him no, getting either. traded here and then immediately retiring. Um I think Ben 10 would be the worst, actually. Yeah, he would be he booed would, heavily. He would be up there. I don't uh, think he would ring it. I think he would just tap it and then get uh, injured. It, well, if they're playing the Raptors, I think Drake would be a terrible one, too. Why would Drake ring the bell? Exactly. It's a terrible one. <laughs> well, why would Simmons ring the bell? He's on the net. That's true. No, well, if he comes back for whatever reason. Why, why would he come? He's not coming back this season. Retire as a sixer. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, NBA playoff cliff notes, uh, as you have it nicely titled here. We're going to go not down. Cliff through- Lee. Oh, and that's he. He should ring the bell as well. Oh, yeah, he could. In honor of Doc, the real Doc Holiday. Yeah. Rest oh, in yeah. Peace. Oh, that would be kind of cool if the, the happy yeah, if Adam, uh, Undertaker just ring, <laughs> just come up. Doc, <laughs> Doc Holiday just rings the bell. Yeah, well, that would the, be cool. If the Phillies did something like this, if they had um, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswald, Cole Hamels, and Joe Blanton ring the bell because they were on that dream we rotation had Roy with Halliday. Oswald. Wow. Yeah, they were on that dream 2011 rotation with Halliday. I, I digress. With Papelbon. Yeah, he could choke the bell. Um, <laughs> Ryan Matson, <laughs> Brett Myers, assaulting, Brett Myers falling on his eye. <laughs> uh, oh man, we're getting way off track. It's yes. a Lucy Goosey Friday. It is all day. Where's Where's George Niang when we can get that Friday song? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's um, yeah. The Cliff Lee notes of uh, the NBA playoffs. Uh, <laughs> I want to go down the. <laughs> want to go down the list. Uh, Miami is up two and zero now. Uh, defending home court, and they look dominant, especially Jimmy Butler went off, I think, in game two, just basically. Yeah. Uh, well, so, 45 and 5 and 5, but yeah, we'll go in order. So, game one, Trey Young mm-hmm. was 1 of 12 from the field, 0 of 7 from deep, 
Miami took that game 115-91. It never felt close. That was the game I think Duncan Robinson went off. Yeah, Duncan Robinson, 27 off the bench, 9 of 10 and 8, eight of 9 from deep. Jesus. Um, just overall, they did a great job on Trey Young. I think it was P.J. Tucker was on him for a good bit. Mm. Um, Butler took him a little bit. Adebayo looked very good in the post. Um, also, Capella got hurt in the um, in the play-in game, didn't he? Yeah, previously. So he, yeah. him being out is that's a good 12 points that you just get from his effort and, you know, the lobs to him. So these games will be closer with him in the lineup. I don't know what his status is going forward, but it's way more than 12 points though, because he'll give you 12 points, but then also his rebounding effect, give you those second chance points and keep the, keep uh, Miami off the offensive glass too. Yeah. Um, Game two, the heat took that one in a 10 point margin, 115, 105. The heat are very consistent. Uh, 115, both games. (laughs) Uh, but the Hawks did show a little bit more promise. Uh, Trey Young had 25 points, but he also had 10 turnovers, and he's been ice cold from deep. He is um, he's two, feeling it. Two for 17 from the three point line in this series. Two of 10 in the game three. I'm sorry, game two. Jimmy Butler had his like signature game, 45, five and five. He really got things going toward the end. He really just put that game on ice. So um, going forward, so Miami is going. Or I'm sorry, uh, Atlanta is going home. Now, do you think they stay home after game four, or do you think they can kind of keep it going? I mean, do you think the Heat will just take take complete, you know, a stranglehold on the series, or do you think the Hawks can battle their way back in? Uh, they'll put up a better fight at home, but I think the Miami Heat will squeeze out a victory, at least one victory in Atlanta. I don't see them sweeping them, but I could be wrong. But they got to figure out how they can uh, manage without Capella. Because Capella's a big body, all those rebounding, second point, second chance points, and gives you what twelve points a game. They got to find a, a substitute for that to, way to keep it off the ball for Miami. But uh, yeah, I think Miami will get one victory. I would say game four. I think they will lose game three. I think because yeah. those home guys, the supporting cast, play better at home. Bogdanovich, Herder, John Collins is back now. Yeah, Ironically, he, he's back when Cabela went out. So yeah, he, I think that might be half the reason he came back. So yeah, how about you? So, so we'll get to it when we get to the Sixers as well. But Game Three is the game you got to have if you're the Hawks. Yeah, um, th- that's the game. Like I think Game Three is always one of the most pivotal games in a series. I mean, you can say Game One is obviously bigger. Game Five, but Game Three, when the team that's down two zero goes home, yeah, they have to win that game. And if if the Hawks lose that game, no NBA team has ever come back from three down. So. It, yeah, I agree with you. I think game three is the most important because, say, if you're the road team, you split, you squeeze a victory on the road, you basically have home court advantage, and it's now yeah. your turn to seal that momentum as you are now hosting. Oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as you win a game on the road, that's, you know, a lot of people say the series doesn't truly begin until the, the home team loses. So if Miami, because, I mean, in theory, the series is tied after four games, the series is still going on. Miami still has the home court advantage, but if they can steal one in Atlanta, that's huge. Yeah, I think Trey Young will go off at some point in the series, whether it's Game Three or Game Four, for like forty points. Though I think it, it's probably Game Three. Um, I believe that's tonight, is it not? Or am I maybe misremembering it? Uh, yes, uh, Miami at Atlanta. That's at seven o'clock tonight, ESPN. The Hawks are actually dogs, so Miami is favored by a point and a half. Oh, then you got to take the Hawks then. Got to ride the Hawks, yeah. Uh, Milwaukee, Chicago. Now this one, speaking could of not a have series, been more wrong. Yeah, this one looks like it might be the best one. Yes. Uh, so the Bucks, 93-86 in game one, they got the win. They did everything in their power to allow the Bulls back in that game. Uh, DeRozan was not great, 
Bulls got back late. Uh, Vucevic was phenomenal. He was 24 points and 17 rebounds. Yeah. Zach Levine had 18 points and 10 rebounds. Um, Giannis had 27 and 16, as he normally does. And um, Middleton. Middleton and Holiday, 10 of 29 from the field. They have not been very good in the series. And Middleton, obviously, has gotten hurt. But Middleton and Holiday game one were not very good. And this game was this, – this game bored me to tears, I'll be honest with you. This was last, I think, Sunday. <laughs> um, so I think this was the one after the uh, the, the Nets game. And that I was, think that was a feature. Thriller. Yeah, I yeah. think that was a feature. Um, from what I remember, I didn't see the game, but from what I remember from all, like all the Twitters and stuff, I think the Bulls were winning that game, and then they just slowly but surely gave it up, and then they never got it back. It was it was close for the most part. I feel like I remember the Bucks being up. Um, yeah, the Bucks were up for the most part. I think they were losing after the third quarter. Maybe it was closer. The Bucks. It was a close game. Game yeah. two was pretty similar. I mean, the Bulls were kind of in control most of the game. I had uh, no doubt that the Bulls were going to win. Really? In game two, the way DeRozan was playing. DeRozan was phenomenal. 41 points. Dude. Uh, Vucevic, again, he's had 24 points Consistent. both games. He's got, he's got 48 points and 30 rebounds in two games. You um, know what that means? Take the under. Yeah, the I, I'm well, going to put 20 and 12. He's going to get 19 and 10. He's the gonna... thing is, nobody on the on the Bucks can really guard him. I mean, they don't really have a center that's unique enough. Because Vucevic isn't exactly like Embiid, Jokic type of center, but he's also not like a... Second tier? Yeah, he's not like a Dwayne Dedman in the post. Like he's got a little bit of the outside game. He can dribble, he can pass. He can shoot the three. He's basically a center version, a little bit, a little bit less athletic. But he, if Sabonis were bigger, he's mm. more like that. But yeah, he can shoot it. He can get rebounds. Obviously, he can push the ball a little bit. He's not going to be like your initiator by any means. But he's a, he's an interesting player to guard. Um, Giannis had uh, almost a triple double. He had thirty three, eighteen, and nine. Uh, the bench points, ten eight in favor of the Bulls. Um, that was a mid off. <laughs> Benches what? have not really loomed all that large this playoff year, aside from Duncan Robinson game one for the Heat and Jordan Clarkson last night for the Jazz. There's a bit of, and obviously Steph Curry, but I don't really count him really as a bench guy. But um, I mean, it's weird. It's still early, but you know, at some point somebody's bench player is going to come in and drop forty and win them a game. Shane Milton, yeah, five. So Chris Middleton's out with an MCL sprain. He's out at least two weeks. By the That's way, Capella Capella five days ago was um was going to be reevaluated in a week. Uh-huh. So Capella's reevaluation should be coming up soon. I I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back for game four or five, but I would be shocked if he comes back for game three. Um, Middleton is out for the remainder of that series. That definitely changes things, right? Because I would imagine he was the primary defender on DeRozan for the most part, and is part of the reason DeRozan went off in game two. Yeah, but also DeRozan. Was on another level. He was locked in. Like, you know how it is. We hear that same old saying, you're locked in. This person has it tonight. Yeah. DeRozan was locked in. He wasn't leaving that off. building with a loss. Yeah. He willed that team. He's been awesome. I know he fell off toward the end of the year, but what an like, impressive like resurgence from him. I know he wasn't like bad in San Antonio, but he was not notable down there. But that's where names go to die, honestly. It's like when you go to New England Patriots. Like Chad Johnson, right? For yeah. example, braggadocious goes there. You barely hear a peep out of him. That's fair. You go to San Antonio, you barely hear a peep out of them because they're professional. They handle their business and whatnot. But he's a solid player, and this okay. also echoes why he was an MVP candidate at yeah. one point. Uh, DeRozan and the Bulls um, were the number one seed at one point as well. So, how do you see the remainder of that series going? Um, oh, I see it going six to seven. I think it almost. 
definitely go six or seven at this point because I think the Bulls, the Bulls realistically could win both at home. I think they're going to split. Yeah. And then, I think and then it, at that point, it becomes a best of three. And I think the advantage goes to the home team. But I think they can, I think they can push at seven. This is, and shout out to Billy Donovan too. Yeah. Be, beginning of the season, I said coach of the year. Both of us did. Yes, we did. I forgot that you did, but we did. <laughs> we didn't even have like odds in front of us. We both just kind of came up with it on the fly. Yeah. Uh, he should deserve a lot of credit. Um, but yeah, I think it's, we, we saw how the Bulls responded after game one. Boom. DeRozan took over. He's like, uh, just like Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I'm not losing. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm taking over. CJ McCollum has also been great in the other series. Now we're going to see how Giannis response now yeah. now that he knows Middleton's out and Giannis yeah. we've seen in the playoffs he takes his game to another le- level not only each year each series but almost each game he just ramps it up and he is scary that's what it felt like last year he just got better with time mm-hmm. and don't don't forget uh Drew Holiday as well oh yeah Z- Zach Levine's not exactly Gary Payton on defense so I mean if Holiday gets <laughs> gets going it's gonna be tough stop. keep in mind the Bulls are doing this without Lonzo Ball Yes. They have been without him for a, some time now. If he were on the floor, I think this would be a much different series because he's such a, a unique player and he's such a good rebounder and he can initiate and he can contribute to helping DeRozan get his. So, I mean, for the Bulls to get this far with Io DeSumo as their backup point guard is pretty pretty wild to me. Uh, so we both kind of think late that that's going to go. That'll be a, that's a prime candidate to go seven, I would think. Yeah, for sure. Um and again, it's it's about how each team responds at home. I would not be surprised if the Bulls lose Game Three. I would yeah. not be surprised. I mean, it will be rocking. United Center will be rocking, but you're playing under a lot of pressure now. Yeah. Now that you is, have the home court, this will be of one pressure. of the biggest games they see in that building for probably the last five ten years. Um, and 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 lastly, I don't know if we're going to move on after this, but you have been echoing that. And I've said it at one point during this season, Drew Holiday's been the second most important player on that team. Yeah. And you've been saying, like, Middleton's a little overrated. So we're probably going to see the best one-two punch in Giannis and Drew now without Middleton, quote-unquote, clogging those minutes and those ball handling. We'll see who steps up for them. Yeah, we'll see how much the absence really looms large. I mean, I, I do still believe he's a little overrated, but I don't think he's, you know... He's obviously a net positive, Middleton. He's a great defender. He can handle the ball. He's gotten better. He's gotten way better. When he first, when I first remember Chris Middleton, I thought he was just like a Robert Covington type of player, but he's like obviously way past that. Yeah. Now, the big thing is you're going to see instead of 22 minutes from Pat Connaughton, 21 from Grayson Allen, one of those guys is going to play a ton of minutes because 32 minutes to 40 minutes a game out of Chris Middleton has to go somewhere. Um, expect a, a little bit larger role for Javon Carter maybe a little bit larger role for Bobby Portis and Wes Matthews is if anybody's watched it's him, but he's got to play 35 minutes a game now and they need a lot out of holiday and, and Giannis. They need more from Brooke Lopez and holiday though. Yeah. Especially Brooke. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting series. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I think this is the most interesting for sure, but the most exciting one is the next series, Boston yes. and Brooklyn, even though, we're ser- Brooklyn's staring at an 0 2. 
Yeah. So this one is, um, I think, prior to the playoffs. I don't remember if we said it, but I think this one had the potential to be the best series in the first round. Yeah, we did. We um, did mention it between this one and then maybe the uh, the Minnesota Memphis one had a little, that had a little juice behind it. Yeah. But this one felt like it was probably going to be the best series. Uh, game one was a thriller. Naturally, I missed most of it. Um, <laughs> but the Celtics won on a last second layup by um, yeah. by Jason Tatum. Kyrie Irving had thirty nine points. Kevin Durant's been pretty bad. Uh, 23 points on 24 shots. I, again, I've said before in a big game, I'm not super worried about efficiency. Yeah. I just want my best player getting the shots because I know he's going to score. So Durant, I can't kill him for that, especially given what I've said before. But he, efficiency wouldn't have hurt them in that game because they'd, it's a lot less second chance opportunities that they would have had to cash in on and a lot more you know, lost possessions. Um, all five of the starters had at least three fouls. A couple of them had five for brooklyn which was a um i think ultimately we kind of did them in playing playing scared on defense um, yeah. dr- between the three guys on the bench um goran Dragic, nick claxton and patty mills they had 30 points that's not the bad. three starters outside of durant and, and um and kyrie irving so seth curry andre drummond and bruce brown only 22 points combined they need more from those three guys now that this is the only team that I think has gotten, you know, substantial contributions from the bench because Dragic played well both games. Yeah. But you can't expect that to continue, especially from an older guy going That's forward. Right. They need more from Bruce Brown, which they got in game two, but game one, he was a little bit lousy. Um, 54 points combined by uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, 31 from Tatum, including the game winner. And Jalen Brown, who's just like become like the most solid two-way guy in the league. Um, Horford had 20 and 15. It was nice to see a gargoyle on the floor. Speaking of gargoyles, uh, Kevin Durant on the final possession was just kind of hanging out. Um, Jason Tatum had the game winner. <laughs> I would, uh, Kevin Durant just vibing on defense, just there for the ride. Um, what's your take on that game? I'm sure you've seen the memes. <laughs> he just looks like Slenderman at the, at the free throw line. Dude, I just happened to look down on the rundown and I saw it. Katie just vibing on defense. <laughs> I mean, shook. <laughs> He was just uh, hanging out on the free throw. So he didn't really move at all on the final play. Yeah, that's his. that was his man, Tatum. Yeah. And he let him go, and then he just realized, like, oh, shit. Uh, There's nothing you can do. Yeah, Twice at that point, you just accept your fate. That was a uh, good game. I've, I saw the highlight. I didn't see the actual game. But um, so th- just to uh, to follow up, uh, Irving had four, Durant had three, Curry had four, Drummond had four, and Brown had five. All the fouls for the uh, the Nets you, Yeah, you can't uh, win. You can't win with that. You're playing scared. You yeah, granted, four of the five Celtics guys had four, and then three on the bench for Grant Williams. So it, a ticky tack kind of had to get the game to go four hours type of deal because they had so many whistles. But hey, that's also the officiating. They got to it's playoff basketball. I'm sure if it, you know, if there's something harsh, yeah, send a message. Let's hey, we'll let you play, but let's be real. Um, then again, we are Sixers fans. Um, sure. So we could use those fouls. Uh, breaking news here on the podcast: uh, Charlotte is dismissing coach James Borrego. Oof. Sources tell ESPN, according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who recently changed his photo. Really? On Twitter. Yes. That's ooh. That's Very that should be breaking news right there. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so, uh, like, who am I following now? So, I guess another coach will lead them to a play-in loss next year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm sorry. Game two. Ooh. So, um, wait. Hold up. Go ahead. Vogel. That would be a good spot for him. Vogel back to the East. Yeah, I think that's a perfect landing spot for him. I think. Or, or Toronto when uh, Nick Nurse pieces out and goes to Los Angeles. Or Nick Nurse goes down to Hornets. Oh, he's too good for that. Uh, I think for Nurse. Dude, LeBron's going to run him out of town. 
Yeah, nurse will be the scapegoat there, and he'll go rebuild his image someplace else. Ew! Whoa, that's a nasty picture. I know he looks gross. He looks like a ball sack. Um, <laughs> game two, the Celtics beat the Nets one fourteen one hundred seven. The Nets blew a lead, and it was glorious. This was happening um, concurrently with the Sixers game, game three oh. of the Sixers series. So this was happening on TNT, or, or either ESPN or TNT, and the Sixers yeah. were on NBA TV because they yeah. were relegated to the minor league channel. Um, Celtics came back. Kevin Durant had 27 points on four of 17. He was not that good in that game. So, again, Durant has not been excellent. I saw him in person a few weekends ago when they played the Pacers. Yeah. Not, you know, really not that great. Um, He had more turnovers than made field goals in that game. Uh, Kyrie Irving was also not good. 10 points. He was four of 13 from the field. Bruce Brown had a great game, though, 23 points for him. That's exactly what you need from him. And Goran Dragic shined off the bench once more. Uh, seven of the eight Boston guys that got in were in double figures. Durant was 0 of 10 in the second half. So, I mean, a lot to unpack with that series. But I mean, in theory, the series has not yet begun because we're going the back home to Brooklyn. Team won both games. Yeah. Um, I think I think Brooklyn's already checked out. They just want to go back to Brooklyn and play there. They feel like they can't win now. At least in the first two games, they couldn't win. It's they a go tough back place to play though. Get their get their bearings back and get their confidence up. Especially Curry needs to show up. He has been ice cold out there. Bad. Bruce Brown is up and down. Drummond plays better at home anyway. Bench plays better at home anyway. And then, yeah, it's it's tough. But you got to give credit to Marcus Smart, the reigning now Defensive Player of the Year, first guard in I don't know how long yeah. to win that award. Um, it's been a while. Also, yeah, you're right. And also the defense of the Celtics. They, that's what they pride on. They're the number one defense in the league. They showed it there. And I don't know if you saw, but they were breaking down the defensive schemes on Kevin Durant. Anytime Durant had the ball, they would have one guy basically pressing on him. And as soon as he would make a move or try to shoot, there's another guy in his face. So they already have double teamed immediately. Yeah. Get that's him off the his way rhythm. You got you to take one of those guys out of the game. So. Exactly. So they focus on Durant, and Durant said it himself at the at the post game, he's like, "Yeah, it's a great defensive uh, scheme." Paraphrasing, of course, yeah. and that it's up to him to figure it out how to get open and make his shots because they're doing a great job, basically. Which just hammers home the point that Joel Embiid is the MVP because he's been staring down double and triple teams all season long. Go ahead. Exactly, exactly. No, that was it. That was yeah, it. Durant. So Durant's obviously no stranger to double and triple teams. The good thing for him though is he has Kyrie Irving that he can lean on a little bit, and Drummond is one of the best rebounders in the in the sport. So. At least he's got a decent supporting cast around him, and yeah. it's it's tough when you have Durant, you know, not really being efficient from the field. Again, not really too worried about efficiency when you're when you're a volume guy, but um, I expect a big game from him. Game three, I yeah. think game three will be a blowout win for the Nets. Um, I'm am I safe to assume that's tonight? Uh, yeah. No, no, it would be Saturday, wouldn't it? I think it's uh, so, you're right. So tonight we have Miami and the it will Hawks. concur with the uh, Sixers. Yeah, then you got Bucks, Bulls, and then you got Suns, Pels later. So um, I think that'll be a big one. I I think they win that game by ten plus. I think that's just a game where one of the two stars for um, for Boston comes out flat. Um, maybe Tatum has like an underwhelming game, like thirteen points on like twenty one shots or something. They'll probably get some calls favored yeah. towards. Brooklyn. I think Durant will have a triple double. That's my uh, that's my stamp it bold prediction for Game Three is Durant triple double. I have a double double for uh, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie's going thirty plus. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a good game for them. I think it'll be a nice, like, comfortable game for them. Uh oh. And and uh, I'll go. Uh, we have a Seth little bit Curry of news when you're finished. 
Seth Curry will have a bounce back game in game three. Yeah, when you go home, that's usually when your slump should bust. Well, um, give it to me. What's the breaking news? Uh, the Phillies have reinstated outfielder and domestic abuser Odubel Herrera from the 10-day injured list and optioned Simone Muziati to AAA. So there's your leadoff hitter, I guess. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Is he playing tonight? Uh, that's a good question. I might see him tonight. Uh, we got tickets for tonight's game the other day. Hey. I, got, I got the itch. I missed the ballpark. Uh, and... I want to see if they still have the spirit Halloween sign still up in the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, well, I mean, I'm you know, knowing my luck, Harper will get put on the IL before the game starts, Jesus. and uh, JT won't even play, and Hoskins will be like in right field or something. Uh, we we are going to see. The only reason I want to go. Oh, you want to see Christian Yelich? I miss one of my favorite players. I have no idea who that is. Andrew McCutcheon is a Milwaukee Brewer. What is I, that, by the way? Oh, it's him in the dugout a few years ago. That's an iconic picture. I have no, 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 not the picture. Is that a phone or a, f- a photograph? Oh, it's a photo. Oh, I thought you had it like a giant Android tablet. I'm like, no, what I is have, that? Um, on, on my desk here, I have a Grady Sizemore bobblehead of him surfing. I have <laughs> I have Hip Hop, the former Sixers logo. I have a little Hip Hop rabbit. Yeah. I have a Pablo Sanchez bobblehead from uh, Backyard Baseball. Yeah. I have the Roy Halladay figurine. I have a picture of, um, of Sally and I after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We found a guy dressed up as Swoop in the streets on Cotman and Frankfurt. <laughs> and I took a picture with him. And then I have my Mike Francesa jersey card. Yeah. And that's on my desk here. So then the McCutcheon, I have a five by seven of Andrew McCutcheon. Awesome. In the uh, dugout in the throwback jersey. I'm not to get sidetracked though. Um, All right. So coming back for game four, allegedly for the, um, for Brooklyn is uh, Ben Joe Simmons. Harris. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be better <laughs> off with Joe Harris. Um, so do you think that he's going to start? No. Why, so, why would he start? So I saw a projected lineup that had him as the starting center. So they would go Curry, I'm sorry, uh, Kyrie Curry, uh, Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant, and then Simmons at the five. And that would shift either. Would you start him as a, so would you start him? No. And Rob, I'm appalled that you would even entertain this idea. Ben Simmons at the five, he didn't even play the five in the Sixers. Well, he did a little small five here, but a it's little, also, but they also have, I mean, Durant is also an excellent rebounder. Simmons was a good rebounder. He can hold his own in the post. And well, in theory, because he hasn't played in a year. Um, what do you think his role is going to be? How many minutes do you think he'll play? What do you think he does if he does play the second he'll year? He'll probably get 15 minutes, but that's a max. It's a, it all depends on how his knees, his cardio, and his back holds up after, I don't know, a, a series, you know, going up and down the court yeah. and playing at full speed you have to be with these guys who've been playing all year and you haven't played since game seven yeah so the one thing i will say about him and i'll give him credit i know we bash him a lot but he's always been in really good shape um he's not like a fat guy he's not like Jokic or harden where you have to worry about his like he's always been in impeccable shape and his cardio has always been pretty good i don't remember too many games he looked tired at the end i don't question Uh, his physical yeah like appearance i question game ready cardio does like, he have can a you do 40 minutes when they need you up and down the court after essentially a year plus? I don't think so. So I think this actually fits a little bit more into the narrative that I already created, but inadvertently because I wasn't even thinking about this at the time. Uh-huh. If if Tatum has a lousy game, I would imagine Simmons will probably be on him quite a bit because um, yeah. they're going to have him on the primary score for the Celtics because they don't need him to be the... So he was He was such a focal point on offense here. Yeah, being you know the the like the quote unquote point forward or point guard, 
and also initiating the offense because nobody else on the team could dribble. So there was a lot of pressure on him here, and I don't think that was the perfect way to use him in hindsight, obviously. Granted, he could have gotten better at so many things, but that's beside the point. In Brooklyn, he's not going to be the guy or one of the guys. He's just going to be a guy. Yeah, He'll be arguably the fifth most important offensive player in the starting lineup if he does start with that lineup I just mentioned. And at any given time on the floor, aside from like if he's got like Kessler Edwards or, you know, um, Drummond or something, he'll be like probably the fifth option on offense. And Kyrie and Curry and Durant and Brown can worry more about the offense and he can worry more about just playing a good role defensively, being in the right spot on offense, setting screens, you know, all the and transition, of course. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's a good situation for him to be in. We didn't really break this down at the time of the trade, but I think it is a good situation for him. However, still question if he wants to be a basketball player or if he just wants the money and the fame that comes with it. Yeah. I think that's the latter is more correct than the first. Um, But um, how do you see the rest of the series playing out? I see it going seven. No questions about it. I still think it will. Yeah. Like even, even if Boston squeeze out uh, a victory in Brooklyn, we saw Brooklyn last year, especially Kevin Durant solo, no, no Harden, no Kyrie, I believe. And single-handedly brought them back from the death. Yeah, the game Kyrie seven, was out, and Harden was playing on one leg, and he and he had a scrub team then. Yeah, so yeah, I no Curry, no Drummond. So I still think. So I think when you get the best of Durant and Kyrie is when their backs are against the wall. Yeah, and I think in Game Three, down two zero going home. Most important game in the series is when you're down two zero and you're going home to your building. So they're going to win this game by ten plus. And I think if they do go down 3-2, 3-1, you're going to get the best of both those guys playing 45 minutes a night, jacking up 50 shots, and probably going for like 60 points combined or like 70 points combined. So I think it'll be a big – I think they're going to loom very large down the stretch. If they lose this game, the series is over, though. I'm going to contradict myself. I know I just said game three is the most important one, but for this specific series, if we're just looking at this series in general, game five is the most important game because I believe – Either you squeeze one or you don't, right, for for Boston. When they go back to Boston, that is the game yeah. that will decide. Obviously, Boston can be up 3-1 at the time or 2-2 going in there. You don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of you, but I know for a fact when they do baseball playoffs, they mention this a lot, yeah. the winner of game five usually wins the series. Well, you know, obviously, if you're up three one and you win game five, you do win the series. But yeah, regardless yeah. of context, game five winner is generally like fifty plus percent of the time, like sixty plus percent of the time, the winner of the series. So, and that could be definitely the case here. Because I mean, if it's two two, the winner of game five needs one more win to win the series. They just got to win one of the next two. So, it makes sense. Um, we'll talk about the Sixers and, and Raptors in the next moment or so. We're gonna run down the other um, yeah let's run down these let's do the west real quick so the suns won game one 110 to 99 um that was against the pelicans cj mccollum coming alive in the playoffs he feels like a better fit we talked about this off the year yeah such a great fit for that team uh jonas valanciunas had 18 points and 25 count of 25 rebounds uh chris paul 30 points seven rebounds 10 assists Devin booker 25 points deandre ayton looked good 21 and 9 the pelicans kept fighting back they got it down to eight at one point and then they got yeah. it down to six and the Suns just kept distancing themselves, which really shows how good they are. Game two was a different story, though. As soon as Devin Booker got hurt, the Pelicans ran away with it. They won 125 to 114. Brandon Ingram almost had a triple double, 37, 11, and 9. Um, CJ McCollum also almost had a triple double, 23, 8, and 9. 
Devin Booker at 31 points in 24 minutes. Chris Paul had 17 and 14. I have still not seen Jay Crowder make a three-pointer. <laughs> he, I believe, was like 0 for 6. Oh, um, Devin Booker is out for at least two weeks with a grade one hamstring strain, which Jeez. would put him out for the rest of the series. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the game two kind of went on its side when he got hurt. So we go back to New Orleans or to New Orleans for the first time. What do you think happens as we move forward? I would imagine most of these series will be done by the time we record again. So what do you think happens? Uh, uh, Zion Williams will start now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think oh, if he comes back, that would be incredible. I, I see the sun stealing game, a game in new Orleans. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker is a big loss, but you have CP3, but he's not the CP3 of back as a Hornet or an OKC for that matter. Um, he's aging, and to ask a lot of him to be the primary scorer now at this point and assist, not great. Aiden's got to step up. Crowder needs to drain a three. So to prove you wrong, and obviously you scoring-wise. Who else's name we haven't even said? Cam Mikhail Bridges. Ooh. Well, him too. Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson have not done anything in the series. Cameron uh, Payne? Yeah, game one. So game one, Payne had two points. Bridges had 11. Jay Crowder had one. Cam Johnson had 13. So that's less than 20 points combined. And then what was it? Game two, uh, Wednesday night, or I'm sorry, Tuesday night, whatever yeah. fucking day it was. Um, I can't find it. Yahoo app is half retarded. Just delete it. Crowder was 05 from deep. Uh, Bridges did have 19 points. So you got a, a bounce back of sorts. Johnson had 11, campaign had six, Shaman had five, Tory Craig had none. So those other wings are going to have to step it up. And I'm but, pointing, I'm pointing directly at Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. And, and DeAndre Ayton, for that matter. I mean, he's been good, but he's got to be. Does he have that next gear? Can he, he get there? Exactly. He needs. It's like Giannis. You need need to go the extra gear, the next level in the postseason. Like Shaq's been saying it yep. on uh, the TNT show. When you're in the playoffs, if you're averaging 25, you need to average 30, 32 yep. points. You need to elevate your game because you're going against world-class playoff teams basically in a seven-game series four times to win the chip, I believe. And that should happen anyway because you're playing four or five extra minutes compared to what you played in the regular season. So you should be incrementally yeah. increasing your output. You can't just play scared on the court and give it to the best player. Yeah. Obviously, that would work. But if they don't got it or if they're not there, you got to step up. And those numbers that you read off are alarming because those players were playing at home. Now they're going to be on the road. Do they play better on the road? We'll see in game yeah, three, we'll but it's going to be tough. Uh, this series, it can go gentlemen's, not gentlemen's sweep, like six games, maybe five. Yeah. I can see the Pelicans making it interesting. They really got hot down the stretch, and then they won their, their games at the end to get in. So And that and like we said off the air, CJ McCollum has been what are a surge, incredible. career resurgence now in uh, New Orleans. Yeah. And Zion has been showing his face more, dunking more, being at the stadium now. I don't know if he's written off completely for this calendar year season of the NBA, but if there's a chance that he gets back in for round two, if they make it, he'll be like Ben Simmons. You got to acclimate him slowly. Yeah. Well, you know if he if they keep winning, he's going to want to slice the pie too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oddly enough, well, all, hopefully all, for him, it's a pie of you know winning, not a, an actual a, pie, a diet pie with like stevia. Um, <laughs> a diet pie, <laughs> Jesus, I idiot. <laughs> crack myself up. Um, uh, coincidentally, so all three of the road teams are favored tonight Miami minus one and a half. Obviously, they're all the higher seeds Miami minus one and a half in Atlanta, Milwaukee minus two and a half in Chicago, Phoenix minus one and a half in New Orleans. 
I could see all three of the home teams winning. Yeah. I, I, weirdly enough, like I, it's usually I know we said that it's the play in. I could see both road teams winning. Wow, what a great <laughs> prediction! But um, I honestly could see all three of the uh, teams that are losing that are, are projected to lose to win all those games. Do we stick with your your uh, analysis of if it's the spread of is if the spread is like two minus two or one one and a half? You always favored the home. It just feels when it's that slim. First of all, you should never lay one and a half points. Or, I'm sorry, you should never take one and a half points. If you think they're going to lose yeah. by a point, then you may as well just bet them to win. Um, but that, that's a slim margin, and it doesn't make me feel confident if I have Milwaukee that they're going to cover one and a half. Sixers were two and a half the other night in, um, in Toronto, and they whoever had them was sweating their nuts off at the end <laughs> of that game, and they won by three. So I don't oh, know. Man. But, yeah, the, the that short of a line almost makes me want to take the dog in each one. Maybe that's what they're trying to set you up for. Yeah, Vegas wants all the failure. money. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, all right, so Dallas and Utah. Um, this one is actually two to one in favor of Dallas. Um, I did not have time to update this last night, so I did a little bit this morning. Uh, the, the Jazz took game one, 99 93. I admittedly saw none of it. Um, these late games kind of kill me sometimes, especially during the yeah. middle of the week. Um, but Mitchell had 32, Bogdanovich had 26, uh, Jalen Brunson had 24, and uh, Spencer Dimwit had 22. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't see any of that game, so I can't really give you any analysis. I don't know if you saw any, dude. There's no way. I All right, game two, the Mavericks beat the Jazz 110-104, evening the series. Mitchell had 34 points on 30 shots. Bogdanovich and Clarkson had 46 combined. Jalen Brunson went off 41 points. I thought that was a great coming out party for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah. Um, I did see a little bit of the highlights of him. He was amazing. Lights out. He game was DeRozan-esque. Yeah. And he's stepping up in the absence of uh, Luka, Luka Doncic. So the Mavericks took game three, which is a huge win for them. Because they needed to get an advantage in this series. So if they do bring Luca back, they're not fighting from behind. Yeah. 126, 118. Uh, Brunson and Dinwiddie had 51 combined. Kleba had 17 off the bench. Mitchell had 32. And then uh, 45 combined between Bogdanovich and Conley. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had a good game off the bench, as you have come to ex- expect from him. Yeah. Um, if Luca does come back, do you think he will have a, you know, a big impact on the series so he himself has said he doesn't want to come back he's going to be on a restriction he wants to come back and be himself not be you know basically not his words but Clay like, james, like when james harden came back last year and he was on one leg in that buck series ah. you don't want a guy that he doesn't want to do that he wants to come back and be himself so i think what do you think happens if he does come back oh yeah he'll make a big impact if he comes back because now you're forced to pay attention to him and what he does because he can do it all. He can shoot, he can rebound, and he can obviously dish it. How dangerous is that team if he comes out? You got Dinwiddie playing at the top of his game. You got Brunson looking like Isaiah Thomas, like, and like Celtics Isaiah Thomas. And, and if, if Cleaver does well off the bench, I mean, it's a scary team. That's why they still, were the higher seed, too. You still have Fanny Smith. You still have Dwight Powell. Like They still have guys, and um, Davis Bertans. So they have guys that can hurt you. But Luca just like unlocks that team. I think um, there's a reason they were, you know, so so many people were on them this season, and they mm-hmm. looked really good. And you thought this could be the year they take that step. I mean, that Dinwiddie trade for uh, Porzingis has been great. What a great trade! Um, Dinwiddie himself has outplayed Porzingis, and I mean, Bertans has been lousy this year, but it, it, he has something in there. Um, um. So Golden State is now up three zero on Denver. Well, one so, last thing. One last. Yes. Thing. If the Jazz get bounced in this round, I think this is where you blow up 
the team or yeah, I think this is you kind of just Donovan Mitchell's like, I'm out. Yeah, because I've said it for a while. The, and then Dan Snyder, right? He's the coach? Uh, Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. What? Dan Snyder, fuck off. The Washington football team. Um, yeah, Quinn Snyder, he's probably good as gone. He's play, He's coaching as if, you know, let's try, but you see the yeah. Spider, his comments, like, he's not too happy. They that should be winning team. these games. There's that no Luka. That Jazz team is, yeah. That Jazz team's never been able to get over the hump. They were the number one seed last year, and they couldn't. Them and the Sixers are the number one seeds. They both lost early in the playoffs. Um, cool Terrible. uniforms, though. The the court looked good last night, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I st- I still think you're going to see Zion and Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks next year, and Gobert supposedly. Ironically enough, Gobert, if he has moved, the Mavericks are one of the teams that's interested in him. So I don't yeah, know how Gobert that and Luca. I would hate that if I'm Luca. You got a big fossil just standing in the paint <laughs> all the time. Um, but I think that could definitely trigger the end of maybe this era of jazz basketball, which has been. I, I compared. Remember we talked about the grind, the yeah, the grit and grind Grizzlies yeah. like a month or so exactly. ago. Zeebo. Teams like yeah, like teams like that, like the Jazz, like they're not a big market. So just being over five hundred, making the playoffs, is like quote unquote success for them. Mm-hmm. So for them to blow this up really signifies they're kind of fed up of it, or the guys there are not happy. And Quinn Snyder has had you know maybe a couple, you know, fingertips of his foot like out the door for a little bit now, considering yeah. he's the guy that's rumored to take over in L.A. or for Popovich or anything. So, I mean, I don't think firing him is the way to go because I think whoever he, – he'll be like um, the second you dump him, someone else will hire him. So, I will, Well, when I was saying, like, you know, explode the team basically, I was thinking Quinn Snyder will step down on his own terms, like I'm out, yeah. and then Spider requests the trade. I think Gobert will stay there, but, hey, if Gobert wants to go or they trade uh, to uh, Dallas, by all means go for it. But I think they need a change. Yeah, they need to change in some way. But uh, at yeah. that point, there's no point in keeping Bogdanovich. There's no point in keeping Conley. Good luck offloading their contracts. But there's no point in having those guys on that team. Well, you would it's include just... them in the tr- if you can trade, include yeah. them in the trade. I could see you know Conley ends up on you know uh, the Clipper. Like guys hey. will get moved. I don't think you're gonna just go into next season without those two guys and without your coach. We know um, one person who's looking. Sam Presti. He's like, let's go. Dark horse to keep in mind here. So if Glenn Rivers, or he, you know, I'll call him Doc. He he's been coaching great. Yeah. If Doc Rivers does leave and go to the Lakers, and Quinn Snyder steps down, Quinn Snyder does look like an evil Brett Brown. He may as well bring him here. Come on down. If the options are here, Delisandra. Oklahoma City, Charlotte. I mean, I'm going to go to Philly. Um, yeah, before you want to play we. Yeah. So Golden State is up 3-0-1 Denver. So yeah. while the actual MVP is up 3-0 in his series, the uh, the media MVP is down <laughs> 3-0 in his. So uh, Jokic's VORP, not so great this series, I guess. Warriors VORP? went uh, value of a replacement player. Right now he uh. is a replacement player. They have a – so the um, the Nuggets are actually have a better net plus minus when he's not on the floor compared to when he is since the All-Star break. So – Warriors win game one, 123-107. Jokic had a good game, though, 25-10-6, but he can't defend to save his balls. Barton had 24. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole? Yeah. That's his name? Okay, Jordan yeah. Poole, 30 <laughs> points in game one. Steph Curry on a minutes restriction, 16 points off the bench. Game two, the Warriors, another comfortable victory, 126-106. Poole had 29 again. Curry had 34. Fat Boy got ejected. Um, so <laughs> he had been ejected two out of the last three playoff games he played. And then game three, this was the game the Nuggets needed. And Jokic coughed the ball up in crunch time. 
Poole had 27. He was 9 of 13, 3 of 5 from deep. Clay had 26. Curry had 27. Jokic, 37, 18, and 5. Uh, Aaron Gordon had 16 points. I'm sorry, 18, 18. points. The Nuggets looked like toast, and Jokic turned the ball over. Uh, he, so he had Draymond one-on-one, cleared out. Nobody was around. No double, nobody coming in, nobody moving, and he turned the ball over to Draymond. You know who wouldn't do that? Joel Embiid. First of all, I, don't get me started. Embiid would never do that. And Embiid gave up. I'm sorry, not Embiid. Embiid would not do this either. Jokic just gave up an easy layup to Curry toward the end of that game, like in the guts of crunch time. Yeah. This fat ass couldn't get across to block the shot. And people have the the gall to say that Jokic is in the same league as Embiid and Giannis on defense. First of all, if Embiid is in the paint and Curry has the ball, he's not going into the paint because if he does, that ball's getting swatted into the popcorn vendor's fucking <laughs> tent thing that he's got there. And if he does it on Giannis, Giannis is going to literally engulf Curry. <laughs> Jokic may try to eat Curry, but he's not going to block any shots in the paint. Um, Vorp, more like Schmorp. I don't think Nikola Jokic has really been all that good this series. So I don't want to hear about supporting cast when Jokic didn't have uh, Jamal Murray all season. He had Aaron Gordon on his team. He's got Bones Highland, who's apparently, you know, Blue Williams all of a sudden. Meanwhile, the Sixers, you know, Embiid played without his quote-unquote second-best player for three-quarters of the season, and they still haven't acclimated his second-best player yet. So I'm tired of the supporting cast argument with Jokic. Who, by I've the never... way, fouled out in that game. And Shocker. From... <laughs> like, what the fuck? Surprised he was still alive. They probably had to resuscitate him on the bench after playing 30-plus <laughs> minutes. Millsap is. <laughs> I'm tired of him. He only plays for the Nuggets because he gets. He probably thought he would get free food being on the team called the Nuggets. <laughs> Thinks he'd get little dinosaur nuggies. So I'm tired of this Jokic MVP garbage. Um, game one of the Memphis Minnesota series. So Memphis is up two one on Minnesota. Joel is currently being resuscitated as well. Um, the Wolves took game one, one thirty to one seventeen. This was last Saturday. This was probably one of the more exciting games of the playoffs. Um, did you this catch one any... me? Yeah, this was a good one. This was right before the Sixers game started, which is I why they catch... couldn't start on time on ESPN. <laughs> oh, of course, <laughs> they... uh, no, I didn't catch any of this. Though. It was wishful thinking to say that this game would be over by six o'clock when it started at three. It was like three thirty by the time the Sixers game was finally on ESPN. Jesus. Um, but dude, um, Anthony Edwards has been. Amazing in the playoffs. He looked awesome in the play-in games. He looked amazing in game one. Cat had 29 and 13. Um, Malik Beasley had 23 off the bench. Like, the Wolves played like a team inspired. Um, John Morant, Dylan Brooks both had really good games. And the Wolves, what I put here is they shocked the world. And by that, I mean, like, shocked, like, a couple hundred thousand people. Um, game two, the Grizzlies got back on track. Kind of blew out the Wolves 124 to 96. Um, Edwards had 20. Cat, 15. John Morant almost had a triple-double. Steven Adams, however, this is a, an interesting subplot. Kind of played off the floor. Um, only a couple minutes in game two. Didn't play at all in game three. And I wonder know, the, why. It's this old – it's it's why Gobert can't play in the playoffs either because these big centers that don't have the ability to switch, uh, get out yeah. on the perimeter with the foot speed, they just get exploited. And it, it seemed like the Timberwolves' number one MO was to kind of exploit that. And the second the Grizzlies took Adams out of the game, the Wolves had no idea what to do. <laughs> they were so um, they were so kind of hell bent on making this their strategy that when the Grizzlies countered, the Wolves had no nothing to go to. So that's why they lost Game Two, and probably why they lost Game Three, <laughs> which they blew two different twenty five point leads. Before that, before that, didn't Cat foul out in one of these first two games? Uh, he fouled out in the play-in game. I'm pretty sure. Ah, it was. I thought he fouled out again, one, two. But Probably. he's been playing like, or no, not foul out. Well, he did foul out. I know in the play-in, 
but I'm saying like five to four fouls. Um, I'll have an answer for you momentarily. Because this is where I'm getting at. You can't be the number one pick of, of this franchise and play like absolute dog shit in the playoffs in this series and expect to win. You so can't be. Last... In, you're doing these stupid fouls. You can't be in foul trouble. As you're the most important player on that team, arguably one of the most important wow. players. So his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So his last ten games. So yeah. in the regular season, four fouls, five fouls, five fouls, five fouls, two fouls, five fouls. Play in game, he fouled out. There you go. This series, he had three fouls in game one, and then five in each of the last two games. That's what I was getting at. Yep. And he's only taken 11 shots from the field his last two games. He had 15 points in game two and eight points in game three. He played 27 and 32 minutes, respectively. 42 minutes in game one. He was really good game one. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was 11 of 18 from the field, 29 points, 42 minutes played, um, 13 rebounds, four offensives, three assists, only three turnovers, and he had a block. He had five blocks in game three. So he did do a little bit better on defense. But well, granted, he's playing, against, he's playing against smaller guys. He's playing against, you know, Jaron Jackson as the five. So, Still, I mean, you got to be aware that you're going to be in foul trouble and you'll be taken off the court. You're hurting your team that way. And then when you get back on the court, you're ice cold, you're out of sync, and then you're forcing yeah. shots, and then you're probably getting offensive calls. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell has also not been very good this series. He had a bounce back in game three of sorts. Yeah. So in the second quarter, so they lost 104-95, the Wolves did. Jesus. In the second quarter, they were outscored 23-17. to 17, Yeah. And in the fourth quarter, they were outscored 37-12. to 12. I'm sorry, 23-12. to 12, And then 37-12 in the fourth. Desmond Bain had 26. Moran had a triple-double. He had like the Iguodala triple-double where he barely yeah. had it. 16-10-10. Um, no, Steven Adams didn't play. Cat, I'm sorry, uh, Russell had a decent game, but he's still... Not a winning player, in my opinion. Yeah. Cat, Cat was asked for the most part. And the Wolves, do they blew two different 25-point leads. They were up 47-21, and they were up 79-54. Memphis ended the game on a 50-16 to run. Disgusting. So a disaster in game three. And I think Charles Barkley went off when he said it was embarrassing for the league. How do you and, – and that team lost on the incompetence of the coach – how do you see this team up 20-plus points dwindle down and you don't call a timeout to save your guys? They couldn't figure out it. They don't, they don't have a strategy when Adams isn't on the floor. And I know the Jet try to, like, save it by saying, well, some coaches like to play through it. Yeah. But not in this case, buddy. Your team, you, you you're seeing be your better, team yeah. getting smacked and blowing this lead at home. You can't do that. I Unacceptable. Agree. And Unacceptable. We, will, we will now move on. To here to they the, come, uh, baby. To the best part of the playoffs so far. So the Sixers. Oh, my God, what a breath of relief. It doesn't feel like real life, and we're going to come back down to earth at some point, but what a breath of fresh air and such a relief. The games themselves have been stressful, but the series in totality has not. Sixers up 3-0. They're the only team up 3-0 in the play. Shut Benny up! Is, Benny is loving it. The only he team up 3 they're the mailman's outside. Um, I don't see Amazon guy. Um, the Sixers are up 3-0 in the series. Yeah. Game one was a blowout. So 131-111 on Saturday. Siakam had 24 points. OG Ananobi had 18. And Fred Van Vliet stinks like feet had 18. Um, Tyrese Maxey had 38. 36 in the first three quarters. Tobias Harris, who we'll get to just in a second or two. 26-6-6. Harden had 22-5 and 14 assists. And beat 19 and 15. Danny Green had two points and three rebounds. And you'd like that. Sixers got 24 points from the bench. Now that we're gonna we're gonna hold on to that. The biggest 
development in this series outside of Maxi and Harris and Embiid's obviously been the best. Uh-huh. Paul Reed is getting every second of the backup minutes at the five. Not DeAndre Jordan, although he did play uh, 0.7 seconds. <laughs> he did. I heard it on the radio. He came in to guard the inbounder after Embiid hit the shot. I heard that. I was like, what are they doing? I was on the, ra- was on the radio on the ride home. I, I like, started laughing doing? my ass off when I saw that. I was so tense and then so excited when Embiid hit the shot. DeAndre Jordan has checked in for the second one. What? <laughs> are we just going to stand in front of the inbound? Um, so Paul Reed has played all the back of five minutes. Maxi was incredible. Harris has just looked so good. Uh, Van Vliet also does not look right physically, in my opinion. Mm. I don't know if he's still battling the injury that he had, but oh, yeah. that's another. That's my biggest takeaway from Toronto. Aside from the fact that Siakam just doesn't look as good as people think he is. But for game one, uh, the story was Maxi and Harris. Uh, and then, of course, Paul Reed. But what do you think about uh, game one specifically? Uh, before that, Scotty Barnes. Uh, yeah, that's right. He got injured in game two? I think it was game one. That's a big loss for them. They're, that they're is, still got hurt that game too. They're still trying to figure out how to play without Scotty Barnes. But uh, he's a yeah, huge game one, part of that team. Yeah, game one has been sensational. I didn't think it was real that we were up that much. I felt like they're gonna blow it at some point in the fourth quarter. They're gonna get hot. Um, and I like that you didn't call him Casper. Like I think we put his put respect on his name now. Yeah, between uh, him Tobias, and Derek Rivers, they can have their names back. Tobias to, can have now. the headband back too. Yeah, Tobias Harris has been. Absolutely sensational. He stepped it up late in the season, and he's revved it up in the play in the playoffs. I'll- I would say he's been the best sixer, but if not for Maxi and Embiid, he he would buy. F- he's been the third best player in the series. I because say second. I, I, th- I think the th- the Sixers have had the three best players. In the- I, I, you could argue four with Harden even playing well. <laughs> you could argue they've had four of the five best players in the entire series. Yeah, because yeah, I think sure. OG and Obi's been really good for the Raptors and so Seattle, phenomenal. But, but uh, Maxi's been the best player on the floor, and B just is the best player on the floor. Maxi has played like the best. Yeah, exactly. But Harris has been just spectacular. And he his numbers don't back it up. 22 and, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, 26 and 6 is not something to write home about. But the way he's he's been asked to kind of acclimate himself to this offense. Yeah. Listen, when he was in Orlando and then Detroit, and I think he was also in Clippers. And the Clippers, yeah. He became more of a dribble drive guy with the Clippers. But for the most part, he was a mid-range kind of like slow – you know, slow decision-making. Yeah. And when he went to the Clippers, Doc unlocked something to his credit. And that's what ultimately made him the max player that the Sixers made him. Yeah. And they traded, you know, all the stuff. They traded Shamit to get him and all that. Um, when he came here, he still didn't look like... If he played like this in 19, they probably would be... We would have been in a parade. Because when <laughs> he was here with Butler and Simmons, he was becoming more of a spot-up shooter, and he really wasn't that. When Butler left, he had a little bit more ball dominance, and he was good the the bubble year, and he was good last year too. This year, he has been asked to basically just become a spot up shooter and just make decisions on, like quickly, and he's done exactly that. The last month of Tobias Harris, the Sixers tenure, I think, arguably is the best stretch of his entire career. One thousand percent. He's become a, a willing shooter. He's been shooting forty percent on catch and shoot threes since the Harden trade. He looked lousy initially, but he's really just figured it out, and he's not complaining. To his credit, this is not his game. They're asking him to be something he's not, and he's just – he's been an absolute pro. So I want to give all the credit in the world to him. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, when Harden came in, we were already thinking, like, ah, man, out is Harris because yeah, we saw Maxi explode. We've seen it and beat how it is without the pick and roll. And Harden obviously was great in the, in the honeymoon phase. 
and Harris looked lost puppy out there. And then yeah, he, we are, we did, you know, comically say that there's going to be a game where they're going to try to force Harris in there, which happened, and then they end up losing, I think. Yeah, it was a Nuggets game. Or no, I'm sorry. It was um, – That happened, I think. It was the that. second It was the second Knicks game. It was there the one – After they beat him in MSG and they came here, he just had the ball the entire fourth quarter. They were just like, get going. Do the – play Toby. It's Toby time. Go do your thing. And it was Toby time. And, and he you say, has been uh, he's been so good. I can't I can't say enough good things about his game. I know. If you listen to this podcast long enough, we bashed him by calling him Casper, and now look at him. We're praising him. His defense has been the biggest development. I exactly. Think, That's what I was going to get to. His entire game. It's yeah, been his so defense good. has stepped up. That's that's back from uh, the Clippers. Doc knows how to unlock something out of him. He takes pride in the defense. He plays great with Doc. And he's also his size. He's forced to take on the biggest man on that team. Yeah. Probably Siakam at this point. And he's just been sensational, locking him down. But you're saying earlier, 26 and 6 is nothing to write home about. Yeah. We're talking about Tobias Harris, who we call Casper, who can barely shoot 12 points a game. And like I said, in the playoffs, you got to elevate those averages. I don't know what the averages are, but from what I kept seeing, he would be like 12 points, four rebounds, nothing. Like he's barely there. Yeah, he's, 26 he's just, and he's 6. He's extra guy. 26 the- and 6 is great. The thing with Harris, too, that I think gets overlooked sometimes, and we're giving credit this entire episode to players that we normally don't. I yeah. I praised Ben Simmons 10 minutes ago. Uh, Tobias Harris, during his time with the Sixers, aside from when he got hit in the face in the bubble against the Celtics, and aside from when he had COVID, he really has like never missed games. He's out there like 35 to 38 minutes a night, and he's playing like 75 games a year, and he's he's as durable as they come. For uh, knock on wood, now he'll I just want him to be but, consistent and aggressive. Don't give me this hesitation and kick out. Give me that hesitation, and we'll get to it. But yeah, his importance in Game Three, unbelievable. We can't, we can't. Uh, so skip it. To, so we'll we'll touch on it again in a minute or so when we talk about Game Three. But Tobias and Embiid are the only two guys left from that team that lost in 2019, which yeah. you heard at the top of the episode. You're going to hear a lot. We're going to exercise that demon on Monday. They're going to sweep this bullshit Raptors team, and they're going to sweep Nick Nurse all the way to L.A. Um, game one of the 2019 series, I remember this series very well, and unfortunately I rewatched all the games during COVID when nothing was happening. Yeah. Um, fun fact, I, I did not watch the Kawhi shot for almost an entire year. <laughs> Until today. I, the, the first time I watched it was, um, well, obviously I saw it happen, and then I watched it a little bit on Twitter that night, then I stopped. The first time I watched it back was during COVID when none of the sports were happening. I wanted to relive all the Philadelphia sports so I could keep things like kind of fresh in my mind. Game one that series, um, Siakam went absolutely ballistic on Harris. And mm-hmm. I guarantee, and then they took him off of so they after game one, the Sixers put Harris on Marcus saw that series, and they they had Embiid guarding Siakam. Siakam did nothing the rest of the way. Yeah. I bet you that is in Tobias's mind because when he got switched on to Siakam last game and he caused that turnover in the fourth quarter, that felt like a full circle moment for him. And you could see the joy on his face. We'll get to it in a moment or so. But when Embiid hit that shot, you could see the joy on to- yeah. Toby's face. That exercised a demon for him, in my opinion. And I think this series is a big, the big reason he's playing so well. One, he's acclimated, but he knows this is his chance as well to get back and make make things right from the first time they play these bums. Yeah, for sure. Uh, game two. So this was on Monday. Uh, the Sixers took this one, one twelve ninety seven. Admittedly, I didn't see a ton of this. Um, I got home a little late. OG had 26. Siakam had 20. Stinks Like Feet had 20. Boucher had 17 off the bench. He felt like a guy that wouldn't miss a shot against the Sixers, and it seems as though he's um, approaching that now. 
Yeah. And B31 and 11, Maxi 23, 9 and 8. Um, Toby had 20 and 10. What more can you ask for? Uh, 13 points from the bench. Uh, just domination. Uh, I didn't have a really any big takeaways from this game. It just felt like a standard Sixers win. Oh, um, Harden? Felt good. Harden, didn't, he really didn't play that well. Um, my biggest takeaway was that we got to listen to Gus. Um, Gus, Johnson. Gus Johnson called NBA game again for the first time in forever. So that was exciting. I like how TNT keeps putting him in there in, in different games too. Oh, he like did he the Bucks game last night, didn't he? Yeah. Or the last, the last, or was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, I believe. Um, so I don't have anything to say about that game really, aside from the fact that Doc's rotations, once again, great. Um, Paul Reed, a plus four game one, plus eight game two, when Embiid. So the, the Raptors series a couple years ago, we're going to keep talking about it until it's gone. Embiid was like a plus 26 that entire series. And yeah. when he was off the floor, they were like a minus like 50. The biggest problem, and last year in the Hawks series, when Dwight was on the floor, he was a net negative. And when Embiid was on the floor, he was a net positive. The biggest difference right now for Embiid list minutes is that the backup center is, is a net positive. Game three, I don't know if he was, Paul Reed, but uh, game one and two, he was a net positive. He was plus 12 the first two games. So game three, this is the main event of the evening. <laughs> this is what I was talking about when I said that. Um, Game three is the the pivotal game. This was the game that Toronto needed and looked like they were going to take for the first quarter or so. Although, I don't know. I never say this because I always know when it's going to be a loss, but it never felt like a loss to me. They were down 20 points, and I was like, you know, they're not going to lose this game. They're going to get back in it. They're going to play. If <laughs> It was the longest time of a 10-point comeback I can ever remember watching, though, because <laughs> it took like three quarters for them to come back and tie <laughs> But they were yeah. in the stupid game the whole time. And Harden stabilized the offense. Um, MB 33 and 13, of course, the big shot. Harden 19, 6 and 10. Maxi 19, Harris 9. Uh, Green 9. Uh, Niang had 9 off the bench. And beat obviously, the game winner. Um, where would you like to, uh, to start on this game? Because it's just this I'll, is. I'll start with a negative real quick. Uh, Paul Reed. Paul Reed was a minus 5 in that game. All right, so but, you're uh, still plus seven in the series. That's all that matters. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but still, minus five is like fine. Oh yeah, wait, wait. Like, well, Niang was minus six. But, you're, uh, you're not approaching Boban, um, Greg Monroe, Jonah Bolden, Amir Johnson, and uh, <laughs> and like Dwight Howard territory. Like minus eleven in two and a half minutes. Like minus five, you can live with. I'm sorry, I was laughing. I kept looking at the bench, and the bench didn't do shit. But yeah, they, they uh, Shake Milton was too. horrible. Minus seven. But two points. But uh, DeAndre Jordan's stat line, you want to read, you want me to read them off for you? Yes. Yes, please. How, how many minutes did he play? Played one second. <laughs> he got a game check. Zero minutes. <laughs> zero for zero uh, field goal. Uh, zero for zero from three. Zero for zero on free throw. Zeros across the board. Even the net plus positive is a zero. Well, he, came, he came in when it was 104-101. They just didn't score. <laughs> But uh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan has <laughs> has a stat line, and Millsap doesn't for doing the same thing. Yeah, that's a, so I I completely forgot about Millsap till I saw him stand up on the bench. Corkmaz has been ghost though. Corkmaz, we both thought he was going to play, and it, to Doc's credit, rather than exp- expanding his rotation, he has contracted it, and he's gone basically just with um, you know, the five starters and like three bench guys. He's not wasting his time putting this in could be because, and all these other guys. So this I mean, could also be for the uh, totally uh, fine with that Raptors like lineup because they play small. Yeah, so it could be that because DeAndre Jordan is not keeping up with this Raptors team. Yeah, that's why DJ's not playing. I mean, honestly, he shouldn't be playing anyway with Paul Reed. 
maybe when they play uh, Miami, he, he can bang with Devin in the post. Or if they yeah. play, uh, if they play, what's it called? Atlanta, he can kind of fight with Capella and Okongwu. But I still think Paul Reed's a better fit for uh, Atlanta if they play them. All right, for me to get back on track, though, for your question, uh, big t- biggest takeaway. Um, let me where do I start? Uh, Danny Green's been pretty consistent. I, that's all I need. Give me nine to thirteen points and stay consistent. Don't turn over the ball. I'm good. I'm happy with that. He's Give me fine. some rebounds. He has seven rebounds. That's unheard of. But that's probably the most he's ever had in a series. But. Last time they played in Toronto, you had that great uh, parlay or that great ticket of oh, hitting yeah. a three each quarter. So I'm thinking he plays great against Toronto or in Toronto. So no surprise, seven rebounds on nine points there. Uh, three for seven from downtown. Harris has been great. But this game, he res- he went down a little bit. But 11 points, 12 boards, two assists, a steal, a block, one foul. Yeah. I can't ask more for that. This is the... Um, that and was a great the pick, by the way with nothing left on the clock. A great pick to set up even bead. That was the, uh, yeah, the, the play of the game was that screen that he set. He just like completely obliterated Embiid's guy. Um, so this is for all you Jokic people again. Yeah. If you watch box scores and talk about numbers, Tobias Harris is probably one of the worst Sixers on, on the floor the other night. Yeah. But if you watch games with your eyes, which I do, <laughs> you could tell that Tobias Harris was truly, I thought, probably the second best Sixer on the floor. Yeah. Har- uh, I'm sorry, Harden was... The reason they were still in that game in the first half because it beat looked brutal. And if not for the 25-point second half or third quarter, whatever it was, it beat, we'd be talking about another brutal game for him in Toronto. But the first half, I thought Harden kept them afloat. And Harris, just his effort on defense, his rebounding, he, I wanted that hook shot to go down at the end of regulation so bad. Now, if it did, we would have never gotten the beat moment. Yeah. But at the same time, if that would have been such a good feeling for Tobias Harris, who's just fought through so much bullshit. Yeah. Between the COVID that he, he got, he was out for like two weeks. He hasn't been able to play at the top of his game. Fans are, you know, killing him. He gave us like the Alec Bohm treatment. He said, don't fucking clap for me or whatever it was last <laughs> yeah. year. Um, for that to go down, it would have been great. But I thought uh, that, that that rebound was the two play, the three things that Tobias Harris did game three yeah. that stood out to me. None of them were shots. None of them were points. The one was that offensive board fighting the three Raptors underneath the rim. When Embiid missed at the end of regulation. Dude. The second one was the screen that he set for Embiid. Obliterated his man. Embiid was wide-ass open for that shot. He was OG. I yeah, think. And, and Van Vliet didn't even... Uh, the weird thing about that, I'll get that in a second. Yeah. Uh, and the third one was um, was his defense on Ananobi and Siakam. I think it was... It, it might, I don't think it was... I think it was Ananobi who got switched on to Harris on the, one, on the right side of the floor. He was on the three-point line on the elbow. Yeah. And Harris just face-guarded him and stood there and... And Anobi couldn't do anything. He tried to cross him over. Tobias knocked the ball loose, and they wound up pushing it in transition. The thing that got me a little confused on the um, on the last play of the game, mm-hmm. nobody guarded the inbounder for um, when when Danny passed it in. Yeah. He had an easy two foot little touch pass to Embiid, and I think Van Vliet was technically Danny's guy, and Van Vliet didn't do any switching. He just kind of hung out. He was vibing. He was doing the the Durant defense. <laughs> no, two uh, stinky feet credit. He was going to guard Danny, but you could see Nick Nurse telling uh, Van Vliet to go, like, get back, get back, go under the basket. So that's what he did. Oh, uh, to, to, I guess, to, to um, eliminate, like, a little pass to the rim. You're probably Possibly. right. Possibly. That's what I saw. 
And then I happen to see J.J. Reddick's take on it. And J.J. Reddick's say, it was a great play by Doc, but it should have ne- we, we would be talking about a different shot or double overtime. Because if you look at it again, the screen happened, right? The pick. Yeah. Niang and Maxi go out. Gary Trent was on no man's land in the middle of the the scramble. He should have yeah. went out to go get Niang or Maxi. He stood still, and when that happened, that's when Fred Van Fleet should have basically switched and get George Niang. Gary Trent should have came yep. under and got in uh, Embiid's face. And at the same time, if Van Fleet does step up and take away Embiid and Trent goes to the corner, Harris is wide open at three-point line. Yeah. Because I believe that's Ananobi that was on Harris and he was completely, yeah, he was out of the play too. So I'm watching right now. It, yeah. They did have options. If Embiid was face guarded by whoever it was, I think Achua got basically, bless you, um, was pushed out of the uh, the play. Mm-hmm. Um, Harris, who set the screen, Achua went with the ball yeah. versus staying with his man and switching. So it, Harris would have been wide open for the three pointer also. So it looks like there were options on that play. Although when we listened to Doc's audio, it seemed like it was, the only, it was just going to go to Embiid. So yeah. That's what it was. That's what Reddick was saying. They played, and Reddick, to his credit, he said that Doc does that every practice. He does those two to three game-ending scenarios, and those are one of them. And he did it his last year as a sixer, I think, or his last year as a clipper. He did it on the opposite end because he'd like to go to his left, and he missed it. But it's the exact same play. So as soon as Reddick saw it, this is one of Doc's favorite plays to do. That makes sense because— So this was um, like another shot for them. That's why Embiid was so confident in making it. But again, if Gary, if Gary Trent had switched sooner and got into Embiid, we'd be talking about a more contested shot than it was. It's also Because Van Fleet weird. should have went to the outside. It's weird. I guess they would have been able to counter it anyway, the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's actually kind of bizarre to me that they didn't have anybody going to the rim. I would have thought that it would have been um, either Harris going to the rim or Maxi going to the rim. Mm-hmm. Maxi trying to blow past this guy or Harris using his size. Um, I, I, it's the one thing I didn't love about Brett Brown's time here. Yeah. Is when he would call those end of game things, it would always be a post up for Embiid, not a perimeter shot for Reddick or perimeter shot for this guy, or get Simmons going to the rim. And, and Doc has kind of gotten away from that, and it's so bizarre, so weird. If you if you were from 2006 and you got transplanted in 2022, and you saw that play and you saw a seven two guy having a play and an ATO drawn up for him out of the timeout, <laughs> and a three pointer from the elbow where he's turning around and fading. You'd be like, why in God's name is that coach employed? But that's just the way the basketball's played now. And it was a magical moment. I mean, and I am. Uh, the one thing that confused me about that game Toronto fans want to fucking bead. Is that what they're saying? What was that? They were chanting fucking bead the whole time. Why do they want to do that? I don't think. I you can't do that. Booing. In public. I didn't you hear that. No, part you can't though. do that in public. I mean, Canadians thought you were a little kinder than that. Also, but. what exactly did he do that he garners that much hate? Are they blaming him for injuring Scotty Barnes, or are they just mad that he's the best player on the team? I think it's that, really. It's like the Trey Young thing where he doesn't really do anything. Um, and Bede's quote about he loves seeing the other team's fans go home is just... Uh, <laughs> Dude, I love Embiid. He's the greatest. He he is uh, a classic superstar in the sense that um, he, you can see him being in one place his entire career, and he wants to be here his entire career. Now that'll change in five years when they do him wrong and you know he pieces out like every other superstar. But I think that um, for now it's really cool to have a guy in that age group. Giannis yeah. kind of the same. I we talked about the foreign guys being a little bit more loyal. Yeah. Um, and Jokic too. 
um, it, it's, I love that there's that type of loyalty from him and he's not just a, uh, you know, a guy passing through. Um, also he knows how to be in the moment. He, t- he takes in everything and, uh, he saw Drake and he let him have it uh, as well. I could say we could I have, have the, I have an audio. Hour. I think I can find the audio real quick. We could have a three hour podcast on the guy. He, he is just, he's locked in right now and he's seeing the floor better than he's ever seen it. And, you know, when he was at Kansas, the one thing that he was – so a couple of things that he was improving on throughout his time at Kansas was passing out of doubles and also shooting from the perimeter. Mm. His ability to pass out of a double team right now is just, like, it's unprecedented. Like, there's nobody in the league that is passing out of doubles the way he does. Jokic maybe because Jokic is such a great passer and he's a gifted offensive player, but he doesn't see as many doubles as Embiid does. Not at all. And uh, that's weird because Jamal Murray's not there, so he should be getting – Double to triple team almost every night. But. I guess they're more concerned about his passing abilities, and he's a more gifted passer. Let's not be, you know, Score. let's give credit where it's due. But still, I mean, he's elevated his game to a new level. He's gotten the demons out of Ben Simmons. That whole thing le- yeah. lingering around. That was honestly Brett the Browns. first exorcism. The first exorcism was dumping him. And I, I really, I had half a mind to say this is the second stage of it, but I think this is still stage one of the uh, the Sixers collective exorcism. Yeah, and then, you know, working on his game and then, like it was you said at the top of the show, exercising his demons, and that shot that went in was getting rid of the Kawhi Leonard sense that's been looming for him in the playoffs. I think that lifted a massive weight off his shoulders. Yeah, I mean... And Tobias. Tobias, too. I, uh, I, re- I can't overstate it. That free shot of Tobias... And Danny Green was on that team, right? Oh, no, he was on the Raptors, obviously. Danny was on the Raptors, yeah. But uh, seeing that free shot of the moment Embiid made the shot, and you see the, the just face. The, the excitement on their faces. On both of their faces, like, of just that weight lift off their shoulder of just, I, let's effing go. We got this. I was watching on, the, moon. on the Comcast or um, NBC Sports Philly, but I, I did see the, um, so the, the video that is all over Twitter is the one from NBA TV. Mm-hmm. With the uh, the Portland announcer doing the game with uh, Brendan Haywood, and the second shot they showed after Embiid hit the shot was the bench, and oh, you could just see dude. the entire bench just went. They, their faces Shake just Milton's lit up. Sam Cassell him. jumped up off the bench. He's the best. I love him too. I love that he is so into the game. He is also part of the reason Max has been so good. But the entire bench stood up and just went nuts. You could see Isaiah Joe. You see uh, Shake Milton. Um, Shake Milton for me caught my eye. He was like, best. I love this team. He shared that same pain that they went through. This at this current iteration of the Sixers is probably the most likable Sixers I can remember in the last five years. Yeah. Um, Did you want to play the audio of it be trolling? Uh, oh, in a minute, in a minute. Aubrey Graham. <laughs> well, I think also Maxi in the post post game echoed that. He, I think when he was in college or high school, one of those. T- he saw the pain that MB went through, oh, and yeah. that team went through, and he said, "Never again. We're going to win this for him." He actually said that before. Before the game, I saw the quote during the game because they keep showing this the Kawhi yeah. shot. And, and there should be a disclaimer on the TV before they show because it, it really still hurts. <laughs> Even Dude. today, after we you you watch it for the first time, I think like ever yeah, today, but... and it, it's it still hurts me. And I'm not even on the team. It's... Like that hurts me more than the Ryan Howard Achilles thing, <sighs> and it hurts me more than. Uh, when he when Ryan Howard struck out against the Giants, like there's so many memories that I have of these teams losing. I was at Game Seven last year, and that didn't hurt as much as the uh, the Raptors one did. That game, well, it's Game Seven is a different kind of pain. Game Seven, well, that was a Game Seven too, but that's a different kind of pain. Like 
it was a different loss. If they lost on a buzzer beater that night too, I would have been distraught. But I would never show my face in a sporting event <laughs> ever again. I'm done. All right, uh, let's see. Let's hear uh, Embiid trash talking Aubrey Graham. I love I it. I love that he told him to be there. And I'm coming for the sweep too. <laughs> I hate Drake. I Why? Sixers have Sixers had the three best fans in attendance, and that includes Michael Rubin. The fact that they have <laughs> that that snot nosed Josh Harris sitting next to the bench. Six man is up there, the old guy, the Alan Horowitz, whatever his name is. Yeah. Six man was there. Michael Rubin was there. And somehow Drake made himself the uh, the center of attention. What else is new? Josh Harris comes anytime there's a big game in Philadelphia, he flies in every time and it's annoying. He comes he he like a, a lizard. He has a giant plane. It's really him nose. and his two, three family members. And sometimes there's a fucking helicopter that comes with the plane in case he wants to fly on the helicopter post game. It's that so guy. it's so annoying. Josh Harris can get fucked. I hate that guy. <laughs> uh, he doesn't care about sports. He cares about money. Yeah. All right. So before we uh, lose everybody's attention span, we're gonna we're gonna quickly talk about the uh, <laughs> the um, whatever they want to whatever you want to call them. The Phillies are playing or the Philadelphia baseball the team. The Flounders. Yeah. Yeah. The Phillies. Uh, the, the Phillies are currently five and eight, fifth in the NL East, two and seven in the last nine. Um, Bryce Harper banged up right now. Going to get an MRI. Um, Johan Camargo leads the team and wins above replacement. He has been very good. I hope he plays tonight. They lost three out of four against Miami. Zach Wheeler looked really bad. The only game they won was the same night the Sixers played, and this they weren't even on TV because the Flyers were also playing. Um, <laughs> they lost two out of three in Colorado. One of them was because of a bullpen implosion. Uh, a couple missed calls by the uh, the home plate umpire. There was an 0-2 pitch to Charlie Blackman that should have been a strike that wasn't. So they uh, uh, Jumbo Joe comes out of the dugout, takes out Sir Anthony Dominguez, Puts in Jeremy's familia, and he promptly gives up a dick shot to the fucking four-hitter on the Rockies. <laughs> Bullpen imploded in game two. The umpire missed three calls in the eighth inning. Uh, this weekend, the Brewers come to town, hey. and then the Rockies will follow suit next week. Um, I'll be there tonight, unfortunately. Um, hopefully, they're giving something away because uh, I'll be, I'm, exci- I'm excited to see McCutcheon, honestly. But um, hopefully, they give something away, and hopefully, Harper plays. But how much further south is my question? Does this need to go? before Girardi is ousted and sent packing. Uh, this is this is obviously exaggerating, but maybe a 16 Flyers losing streak-ish. Oof. And then, you know. Then I they thought can there just... was a chance if they lost that, that um, third game in Colorado, he would get fired there. I think what saved his job was that they didn't get swept by the Marlins or Colorado. I think that's what saved him. If he gets that's swept terrible. at home... In this series against the Brewers and, Co- and Rockies, then he's probably out. I think by the is. end of May, if they're still in fifth place, they they explore other options. I don't know who else is out there. The problem with Dombrowski, the GM right now, is he's probably going to want to bring in some old dude like Jim Leland or like Phil Garner, somebody he had in Detroit. I really don't want an old guy. I'd rather have like a newer age manager. I, Girardi's like an interesting blend of both. Are you talking about next season or – to replace think, him this year. I think they will go the with someone else. I, I I could see Dusty Wathen becoming the uh, the interim guy, or maybe they just go out and find somebody different midseason and bring him in. So I don't know. What do you it's think? What do you terrible. think happens? This so they have three against um, 
three against Milwaukee, and I think four against the Rockies. Let me double check that. Uh, there's nothing happening tonight, by the way. What's up? There's no giveaway tonight. Uh, why am I even going? Uh, if you go tomorrow, there is. Jack uh, Robinson salute. I'm not going to be there. Uh, so three against Milwaukee, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then the next four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of Colorado. Um, bunch of 645 starts next week. I like that for the younger people that want to watch baseball. And, and for me, me, they go to the Mets next work. weekend. Fair. They got the Mets next weekend. So, I mean, uh, realistically, what do you think? So they got, it'll be Suarez tonight. Um, tomorrow mm. against Milwaukee, it'll be Zach Wheeler. And that sets up for Sunday, the, uh, the third game of the series. It'll be um, Aaron Nola and Adrian, I'm sorry, Eric Lauer on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Then Monday, it's Gibson and Tuesday, Eflin. And then it'll be Suarez and Wheeler. So you got the, the best part of your rotation going for the next seven games. You got your two best arms probably right now going twice. Um, how many wins do you think they win in the next seven? Three. This team go, is just going backwards. I'm going to go four. I think they take four out of seven. I think they take two or three against Milwaukee, and they split with Colorado. This they haven't shot. beaten Colorado. They haven't won a series against Colorado in Denver in, in over 10 years now. Unless someone dies tragically in the string, in the string of this series, there's no shot. Well, they're honoring Jackie Robinson tomorrow, which means Castellanos will hit a home run. Um, <laughs> well, prediction for tonight, what do you think? For the Phillies? Yeah, it's a Suarez and oh, the, uh, uh, the baseball team. Freddie Peralta, uh, I think. I say you're Freddy back Peralta. at home. So Freddie Peralta is an 11.57 ERA this this year. Jesus. Um, although he had a he had a really good year last year, and then Suarez goes for the Phillies. So six four Phillies. Give me the over. Six four Phillies. I'm gonna go. Uh, That's ambitious too. I'm gonna go eight 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 four Phillies. I think the uh, the bats come alive a little bit. All right, sounds All good. Right. Ready for the scramble? Yes, sir. Let me know. Scramble drill. In five, four, three, two, one. Go for mitts. So Debo Samuel officially requests a trade from the 49ers. Um, Contract negotiations have reportedly gone nowhere. Um, It was either Schefter or Rappaport that that said that he doesn't want to be used as a gadget player anymore. He has since um, said that that is is hat emoji. However, he has not (laughs) given a true reason why he wants to leave. Uh, What do you make of his request to get out of there um i think this is just Fortnite is calling his bluff i think he just is threatening on leaving to get more money out of it yeah. you know to get a contract but if he does leave hopefully i don't know eagles pick him up Somebody how much of that how much of this do you blame on the jaguars gm for signing uh so trent balky for signing christian kirk to that massive deal 45 percent of it and then the rest of it is stefan Diggs getting a massive payday where do you think he, he, he plays next year uh, I don't know, but someone in the NFC Backers. stays in the stays in the um, Ooh, he burned them there. Jay Wright retires. He does <sighs> not make it all about himself on the way out. Um, Jay Wright, where do you rank him? Class act, just the classiest guy of all time. Not much we can really say about him. I don't watch a ton of college, so I don't really top know five, him. top five coach in in uh, Philadelphia. All right, what do you make of this? Uh, Miguel Cabrera went three for three on Wednesday, and then yesterday batted with uh, runners on second and third in the eighth inning. Uh-huh. Against the Yankees, he has 2,999 hits. The Yankees intentionally walked him. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? The Yankees are pussies. Just fucking give him the hit. Uh, it is Ster- what it is. Sterling on the radio said if they walk him here, there's going to be a riot. 
They got the double play. They got out of the innings. They walked him and they got a double play. So they got through it, but like it's it's what a pussy. Yankees don't want to be on a Jeopardy question. Exactly. Uh, the Cardinals GM said there's no chance Kyler Murray is traded. Kyler then responded to the tweet with a 100 emoji. Uh, uh, what do you make of this? He's getting traded eventually. <laughs> uh, did no you shot. see the video of the JUCO pitcher tackling the guy that hit the home run? No. Oh, uh, so this dude hit a shot off this pitcher in, uh, in JUCO. They kicked him off the team because the, the pitcher tackled the runner rounding third base. <laughs> we'll put it on the Instagram story if you remember. Let's go. <laughs> um, Colin Kaepernick is now back in the news. He's open to being a backup quarterback. Will he ever be? Will he ever sign a contract? Um, at this point, I think he might sign a contract for training camp with the team, go through preseason again, then get cut. The uh, the Tebow special. I don't think he'll ever play in the league again. There you go. Same. Uh, the USFL generated 26 million viewers this past weekend. Eight teams, four games on Saturday and Sunday. Do you think the league will last? What is this league? <laughs> uh, speaking of the USFL, the Philadelphia Stars <laughs> lost their first game to New Orleans on Sunday, 23-17. to 17. What do you think did, did them in? Why do you think they lost the game? What is this league? <laughs> what is this, a football league? Yeah, it's football. Really? Yeah. This is a real team? Yeah, they, dude, their their mascot is called Blob. Oh, that's the same one. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I didn't know. I was honestly um, twenty six million. I have twenty six million viewers for four games. That's an average of about six and a half million viewers per game. That's not bad, right? Yeah, I mean, I would, it's not football. So. It's not NFL, but well, it's not the NFL, but it's a lot of former NFL players. That ain't bad. Um, was the, uh, what went wrong? Not scoring enough points. That's what I was going to say. So they, they, they didn't score as many points as the opponent. They should have not allowed New Orleans to score, and they should have tried to score more. Yeah, so the game is actually, for what it's worth, this league is actually played in like kind of like a bubble type of deal down okay. in Birmingham. I think eventually they're going to play everywhere, but I think to cut costs, all the teams are in Birmingham, Alabama, and they play in like the same couple stadiums. Okay, you can go bad. to games. It's not like the NBA or NHL bubble where nobody was there. Or early like the MLB, but they can you can go to games like tickets are available, but it's like general admission for like fifteen bucks. That's not a bad way to spend your Sunday or Saturday whenever they play. Yeah, it's not football time of year, but it's uh, they're trying. And they until, have until the XFL comes back. Yeah, right. The Rock. I thought that was better. And then you can always have a you know football year round. Basically, that's where we're getting to eventually. <sighs> too football much. year round. There's too much football. Not enough, actually. All right. So W's and L's and then a top 10. Right, uh, or top W's five. I'm sorry. So I'll share mine. Um, I don't have a ton. I have four wins and five losses. I'll go really quickly, though. All right. Since you don't have any. Um, the Lakers are 0 and 6. First, I'll do losses. One on a happy ending like Sean Watson. Um, <laughs> the losses. My first one, the Lakers are 0 and 7 when facing Ty Lu ever since he turned down the Lakers job. And they went with uh, Frank Vogel. Number two, the Vanderbilt football team played their spring game last weekend, and it ended in a tie, 32-32. What? Um, Angel Hernandez, the fabled umpire in Major League Baseball, arguably the worst umpire in sports. Even you know who he is. I know. <laughs> he, um, so you say Kikuchi was pitching for the – you say, I say, we all say Kikuchi. He was pitching for the Blue Jays, and he licked his fingers, which is – so in certain weather conditions, you can go to your mouth and either blow the air into your hand or lick your fingers, but you're supposed to wipe it off right after. Uh-huh. You say Kikuchi did not wipe off his fingers, so the umpire awarded a, a ball to the batter, which was ball four. So basically the batter got first base because this guy licked his fingers. Um, it's a bad look for baseball, and it's stupid. Oh my uh, number four, the Oakland Athletics on Wednesday had a paid attendance of 3,748, by far the fewest 
of any game other than the COVID year and other than the game in 2015 that the Orioles played without fans due to the riots in Baltimore. 3,000? 3,000 people went to that game. They got to build a new stadium ASAP. And number five. No, they uh, wouldn't even come. Nobody would go anyway. If you build it, still, people may not come. Uh, Number five, uh, former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, was on The Masked Singer. He was eliminated, (laughs) and then he sang Bad to the Bone. Ken Jeong, one of the judges, walked off the stage. It was so bad. Um, (laughs) When we're finished the episode, if you go through the DMs, you'll see it in there. Oh, Um, my goodness. Bad to the Bones? (sighs) I have a couple W's here. Uh, Markel Fultz, former Sixer. Um, When he was asked about Embiid's MVP case, he thought Embiid should be the MVP, but he said this on 96.9 The Game, radio station down in Orlando. All the players know what's happening. The league doesn't want to validate the process. So... Salute to Markel. We said it before. We want to see him succeed. Um, uh, Tyrese Maxey, 38 points in his playoff uh, game one performance against Toronto on uh, Saturday. Only two players in NBA history had that many points at a younger age than Tyrese Maxey. You want to guess him? Uh, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. (laughs) LeBron James, Magic Johnson. Ah, damn. And uh, my last W in a season that has been, you know, quite the disappointing one for the Flyers. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, on his way off the ice the other day, handed a, his uh, his stick to a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this young lady told her dad she wants to go play now because she has a stick. So this uh, <laughs> JVR got a fan for life. Um, oh, nice. Uh, hockey players are like known to be like really good humans, so yeah. it's cool that even though the team stinks, they are um, they're still doing right by the fans and trying their best to you know make little kids fall in love with the sport. And that's all I got for W's and L's. A not the strongest uh, allotment here, but I, uh, I knocked that out in about four minutes. So it's a good roundup. Beautiful. It's a good roundup. Uh, so we're doing another top whatever list here. Top ten, um, baby. All right. So top ten. Joel and I decided to do a top ten list of our favorite. I guess it could be favorite or like the top moments of our lifetime. So last week we did top ten Philly athletes. Currently, and to continue that theme of positivity. As we enter the spring, um, we're going to do our top 10 moments of our lifetime as uh, sports fans. I have a couple honorable mentions, then I have a firm top 10. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm very interested to see what you say as well, because I, I'm almost positive I forgot a bunch. All right. Let me see. What have we got here? I have... So, do you have any honorable mentions by chance? Four. Okay. Four honorables. I have six. Okay. Um I think we will generally have most of the same, except I have a couple of flyer moments, obviously. I have zero flyer moments, so. I do have another moment. I do have one moment on here that. um, And no soccer. Maybe. Oh, okay. I have one. <laughs> I have no soccer. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's a heavy three, three-man three sport. Oh, yeah. Well, they've been the three most successful in recent years anyway. And controversial. Anyway. Uh, so your honorables. This, this is a rough start to my honorables, but bear with me. Drafting Carson Wentz, number two overall. That's up there because what he did for this team franchise in this city cannot be dismissed. He was sensational. Before the year he got hurt, he was tremendous in that game. He got hurt. He finished the fucking play, too. Four touchdowns that came. And he finished the play. He came back, finished it, and then he was taken out. And he did all the, the he did all the heavy lifting that regular season. I agree. I don't have it on my list, but I do completely agree that his drafting was while it maybe set the franchise back a little bit long term, they still won a Super Bowl. So I don't give a heck. Yeah. Um 
but that also, game also that game set them up for home field advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, and they got the this and the Rams were like a world beater out in the West. It was like a, a collision course waiting to happen. So the fact that we beat them already and we face them in the playoffs, we could beat them again. The Rams were nine and four after that game. The Eagles were, I believe, eleven and two. Yeah, they and went also, into that game with a chance to be tied at the end of it. They could have both been ten and three at the end of that game. And they weren't. They pulled ahead, and then they basically solidified home field by beating the Giants the next week. Yeah, honestly. And then uh, beating who they beat? Uh, they beat Oakland on uh, Christmas night. That was one of the worst football games I've ever watched. Man, the day he got hurt, I was eating my Chinese food in my dorm room. I was like, I was "Oh, this so fucking this season's sad. over. It's over." I, I remember where I was. I was so at my parents' house. They have a couch here, kid, the table in the middle of the room, and then there's a fireplace next to it, and the Christmas tree was near it. And I had my phone plugged in next to the fireplace, and I was sitting on the floor texting one of my buddies. So I was text. I would text the same people throughout the game. Yeah. And I remember seeing the play. I'm like, oh, we're fucked. And then he walked off the. Well, first of all, he played that. He did the next play. And he threw a pass for a touchdown. Yeah. And then you see him it. walking away with the towel on his head. And then the reports come out. Eagles fear ACL. Somebody goes, oh, you can play. You listen to the radio the next day. You can come back on ACL. Philip Rivers did it, and Rajon Rondo did it, and Dewan Blair doesn't have ATLs. <laughs> and there are all these things and then Foles came in and delivered them but yeah i'm with you with that yeah. not to harp on that too much for sure um but yeah shout out to him for that we got a chip out of it so who gives a shit yeah, and now we're gonna yeah. see him twice a year yeah who cares it is what it is and they got uh, a first round pick from him. yeah they gave up two first to get him they got two first to get rid of him uh speaking of that speaking of kind of like trading moves uh number 13 sixers trade ben simmons <laughs> what a way lifted off my shoulders Get him the fuck out of here. We got Game Harden. Also. Whatever we got from Harden and a corpse. Hey, got I'll Harden. take it. I'll take it. Drummond was uh, cool. Number 12, yeah. Number 12, uh, Joel Embiid's turnaround three-point against the Raptors. That lives 12 right off the bat. That's going to be... I'm going to get a, a, a 16 by 24 of that put it in my basement. <laughs> no, I'll, 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 I'm right there with you. You saw I have a big Sixers flag on the wall. It's going to go right there. <laughs> oh, that's an epic one. Uh and it's signed, hopefully, one day. Uh, and my last honorable, uh, I think it was game one. I'm not sure. You can probably quote me. Shane Victorino's grand slam off CC Sabathia against game the Brewers. Two. I was at that game. The entire section kept yelling, CC, you smell like shit. And then, <laughs> and then Victorino. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was like four dudes sitting behind us that kept yelling, CC, you smell like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and Victorino! The best part of that was Victorino hit it, and the game was on TBS. And the guy doing the game for TBS was actually so it was Brian Anderson, who does TBS work all the time. Yeah, but he was also the regional announcer for the Brewers that year. Oh shoot! And for a long time, until a couple years ago, and you can hear Grand Slam for Victorino. And <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think I mentioned it a few episodes ago, but the MLB tweeted out something when um I think it was like CC's birthday or something. They're like, what's your favorite CC oh, yeah. Sabathia moment? Everybody was yeah. like, when he won the World Series, and I quote tweeted it with the video of Victorino <laughs> hitting the grass. <laughs> that was like the closest I ever came to going viral. I got like ten retweets on it. Yeah, that was at that when that happened. I was like, oh, I think we can when, win it all. When that home run happened, I was like, I think they have a chance. And then when Stairs hit the home run in LA, that is what put it up. That's what. So I said they're not losing. They're not losing another game, and then they lost one more, but that was it. Yeah, right. All right, yeah, that's, that's your honorables? Yeah. All right, so I have, like, one that doesn't count, and then I have six that do. <laughs> Dude. Um, <laughs> so the one that may not count because it may not be Philly is the Chris Jenkins um, buzzer beater for Villanova. 
because um, I don't know if Villanova counts as Philly. It's like mainline, like Delco kind of thing. If it's that Philly. counts, that's my number 17. Bro, the, um, the Union played in Chester. Fair. So come on. Uh, 16. Uh, the Eagles defeat the Cowboys week 17, 2013 to get back into the playoffs. They beat them to win the division. Uh, Kyle Orton obviously started that game for the Cowboys. It was in Dallas. Brandon Boykin interception at the end of the game, put the Eagles into the playoffs. They almost won the playoff game against the Saints. Nick Foles left the field with the lead, did not return to the playoffs for four years after that. So that game, while you can kill Chip Kelly for whatever, that game <laughs> mattered a lot. Uh, number 15 for me is the Bryce Harper signing, just the signing in general. Um, we can talk about his play later. Number 14, um, the TJ McConnell game winner against the Knicks. Um, one of my favorite moments of the ah. process uh, that the two guys that touched the ball before him were Ersan Eliasova and Gerald Henderson tells you all you need to know. <laughs> that stupid play. What was that? That was 14. Yeah. Uh, 13 is the Joel Embiid debut where he hit the turnaround jump shot against Oklahoma city. And then the next possession blocked Westbrook. And you're just like, Oh my God. You, you could just, you, you could just see it. It was just like the agony. So I'd spent, three years watching highlights of this guy's like 10 games at Kansas. And I'm just like, please just play, please be good. I need you to be good. Cause I keep telling my friends, you're Elijah one. And he was, he was a star. The second he stepped he on the is floor. Elijah Wan. Um, what was it? Number 12. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Claude Giroux's entire series against the Penguins in 2012, when they beat the Penguins in six, um, he had a hat trick, I believe one of the games and Jeez. game six, when the game started, he wanted to start the game. He, uh, five seconds into the game ran over Sidney Crosby and about 30 <laughs> seconds in scored the first goal of the game and the Flyers didn't look back. Uh, but Giroux's entire series uh, after that series, coach Peter Levy let called him the best player in the world. And he wasn't, but he played very well. Um, at number 11, the entire 2004 Flyers playoff run. Um, obviously you may not be familiar with this, but they were nah. the three seed in the East. They disposed of Ooh. the devils. They disposed of the Maple Leafs. Jeremy Roenick scored a game winning goal in overtime in game six against the Toronto and then they play, They went seven with Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that was like as close of a series you could possibly have. Um, game six was one of the best moments of my childhood. Um, Keith Primo tied the game with like a minute 40 left, and then Simone Gagne won in overtime. Somebody, One of my friends from across the street came running across the street, banged on the front door <laughs> asking if we saw it. Um, I had to pretend I didn't because I was upstairs. It was like 9.30 at night. Um, so I pretended I didn't. Oh, my man. mom was like, hey, someone to the door. Um, that's number Katie, 11. I saw it. it was awesome. Now go away. <laughs> all right. You want to do the uh, typical thing we do where we alternate? Yes. Uh, number 10, uh, Allen Iverson and the Sixers beat the Lakers game one sl- slash the step over Ty Lue. The fact that I don't have it on my list is terrible. Living it, free. It, it should be on there. I that was my can't introduction. believe I forgot that. That was my introduction to basically basketball almost. That's what made me fall in love with the Sixers. My fi- so fun fact: When I was a kid, my favorite number was ninety-four, because uh-huh. that game went into overtime, tied at ninety-four. <laughs> nice. I I used to, so my parents would videotape they would like VHS tape the uh, the Lakers Sixers games that series because I wasn't old enough to stay up to watch them. Yeah. So I on like a Saturday morning or whatever, I watched all the um the first two games, and I watched game two and Derek Fisher hit the two threes, but game one. I actually used to, we used to have a basketball net in my living room and I would reenact the entire overtime. In the, uh, <laughs> so that's why my favorite number was 94 as a kid. And um, I saw it before we weren't recording just to like relive it. Matt Geiger uh, went off unsung hero. Matt Geiger, Eric Snow hit the dagger in overtime. My favorite player as a kid. 
Dude, Matumbo was actually at five foul or Shaq fouled out of game two and they still lost that series. So if they would have won game three, that series would have been a lot different because they came out on fire in game three. Matt Geiger hit the uh, buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter. AI was fucking terrible. He was inefficient the entire game. George Lynch came back for game Carried four. Carried that entire franchise for the entire year. Yeah. George Lynch came back either game four or game five, but their starting five just couldn't hang with the Lakers. Um, number 10 for me is the um, when the union won that shootout a couple months ago. I ah. think they played Nashville. That was awesome. I watched that and I really got into it. So I think that should be on there because I think that was probably their first home playoff win that I saw. I'm sure they've won playoff games before, but they were really good last year. And I think that. They, I think I think we talked about it, but I didn't see it. I never saw it. Oh, it was so much fun. The, the guy that you had under it was Andre Blake. Andre the Black, goalkeeper. He had a couple of great saves. They scored. He's it great. Awesome. Phenomenal. That place got loud. Oh, dude. Subaru Park. We got to go yeah. one day. I got to go. Yeah, we, we have to go at some point. Uh, number nine. <laughs> this is gonna, bear with me. It's an off-season move, but Terrell Owens uh, doing sit-ups in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> that is a top moment. That I was fr- rent-free in my head. I really went like with very little Eagle stuff on here, but I I thought about putting like the entire Andy era. And when you said T.O., I thought so. maybe it was the trade. T.O. caught a bomb on his first play in Philly in preseason against the Ravens. Yeah. And that was like, all right, they're going to Super Bowl. <laughs> T.O. doing sit-ups in his driveway lives like, literally might live rent-free in my head sometimes. Yeah. I always think, the only the first thing I think of when I see his name is that. Yeah. And the grainy footage like, that I keep seeing around. Dude, well, oh. dude played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. Yeah. That, that, that alone just, he's a goat for that. He's, While McNabb yeah. is throwing up. Yeah. Allegedly. That guy. Right. Uh, number nine for me. Uh, I was at this game, and it was the second loudest that I can ever remember Wells Fargo Center being. Uh, Sixers-Raptors game three in 2019. This is when I thought they were going to win the championship. Yeah, they, they won this game by so many points, and Embiid <laughs> did the windmill. That I thought the <laughs> roof literally was going to fly off that. But I, I was not. And that was the loudest that I heard that stadium for basketball. Uh, the, the loudest I've ever heard that stadium will be on my list. But that was the loudest I've ever heard a Sixers game. When Embiid windmilled, I thought that uh, series dude. was over. Tom and then Bob. they lost on that Sunday, game four. They had so many chances to win that game. If they win that game, they win the series. Damn. But hey, exercising demons, right? We're exercising demons. We're letting it all out. Uh, number eight, another. This is the last one, uh, Allen Iverson reference. Uh, practice. Oh. I'm a star player. But we're sitting up here and talking about not a game, not a game, but we're talking about practice. That lives also rent-free. That was Anytime also hear, taken out of context. True. But when you talk about AI and TL, those two images off yeah. the bat and the step over. AI's biggest moments that you think of are not even like game-related. They're just like him stepping over. Well, I guess Tim well, stepping he, over Ty Lue is game-related, but the practice thing is... Yeah, well, him and Zoom-off are forever. synonymous with like game-winning shots yeah, and big moments. So like... That almost comes with AI. He's going to hit yeah. a game-winning shot. He's so anything he doesn't shots. do different, that's like, oh, that's new. That's different. Iverson's game one against the Lakers is one of the most <sighs> remarkable games that you'll ever watch. If you, anybody listening that is as nerdy as we are, watch the highlights. He was incredible. <laughs> um, to do that in an era where three-point shooting was really not like a thing, mm-hmm. and to score 48 on the road in game one and yeah. win against the – like the Lakers were favored by like 14 points that game. And and when with that scrub of a team, no disrespect. I mean, it is being disrespected by calling a scrub, but Every, yeah, it's dude. weird because they had the coach of the year, the sixth man of the year, and the defensive player of the year, but none of them looked. Larry Brown had a track record, but Aaron McKee was terrible. He was playing with an injury. 
Matumbo looked like a shell of his former self, and uh, Eric Snow had a broken foot, and and uh, what's his name? George Lynch was also out, and they freaking Tyrone Hill and Jermaine Jones in the starting five. They had no chance to win that series, but for them to take game one is honestly close to a championship. In Philadelphia in the world in in the finals in that black jersey, mm. dude, and they beat they beat um they beat the Bucks and the Raptors to get there. They beat uh, Vince Carter, who almost won game seven for them. Mm-hmm. And they beat Ray Allen. Well, we're almost there with the Raptors. Now, it kind of was fixed, that Raptors series, because they earned the Bucks series. They didn't want Milwaukee to go. But, hey, uh, number eight for me is the Bryce Harper walk-off Grand Slam in the powder blue jerseys off of Derek Holland in 2019. Didn't see it. That Don't was even so know cool. What you're talking about. I didn't know what happened until after the fact. My mom, my mom called me. She was <laughs> really? in the basement. I was in my room. She goes, did you see that? I said, see what? Just put on the game. Said, put on what game? <laughs> I put on the Phillies game, and I realized um, you missed an entire Phillies game. She goes coming to us, and she rewound it for me. And I watched it. It's like that is oh, incredible. That's nice of her. Yeah, awesome. She could have just said it like over dinner, like, "Oh, hey, by the way, Bryce Harper hit a grand slam." Yeah, I'm sure I would have seen it on Twitter at some point. But <laughs> After was, she told you, that was so, that was awesome. That that play was just outstanding. Bryce I love Harper. Bryce Harper. Yeah, he's great. Ring the bell. He should be ringing the bell. We should be ringing the bell. Hell yeah. Be a turnpod. Uh, number seven, Doc Holliday's game one no hitter in 2010 against the Reds. Sensational. I was at that game. Him and him and uh, Cliff Lee signings were big for me. The Cliff Lee thing. I wish they had they had kept him when they traded for Holliday. Yeah. They got rid of Lee the same time. I think I told you this. I tweeted it yeah. over tomorrow. And he, I think he blocked, blocked me. You. Yeah. I said um, he said something about Philly always takes care of his players. I said except when they trade him for deaf outfielders and uh, tall relievers with uh, control issues. Um, <laughs> they traded for a fucking deaf guy. Hey. They traded Cliff. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that game was awesome. One base runner, and it was I think he walked Scott Rowland. Yeah. Um, the play, the final play of the game, the ball rolled. Um, I think it was Brandon Phillips hit the ball, and the ball actually when it was rolling rolled against his bat on the ground, and Ruiz had to pick it up and fire it. That was one of um, Scott Fransky's best calls, too. Speaking of no-hitters, real quick, Shohei Otani had a no-hitter through five, and then this dope from Houston hit a bunt in the boot, and the fans booed him. I saw yeah. that. that. It was went funny. foul. Luckily, the actual hit wasn't a bunt, but they booed their own guy, Nico Goodrum. Uh, for what it's worth, the same announcer that announced Victorino's Grand Slam did the game for um, for TBS when Halliday threw his no-hitter. Oh, look at that. They won that <laughs> awesome. game one nothing. We uh, needed everything. <laughs> Game, I'm sorry, game seven. Number seven for me is the first post-process playoff run for the Sixers when they played Miami in 2018 and uh-huh. Embiid wore the black mask because Fultz uh. broke his fucking chin or whatever it was. <laughs> in the one game he played. Um, Embiid rang the bell game one because he wasn't playing. He came back for game three. They took game one by like a massive margin. That place was so loud. That was so much fun, and it was so like – it just made me feel so full because they, I had to sit through the five years of – bullshit and like the 10 years prior to that where they just didn't have a chance to win and that was so much fun and that's when i learned to hate miami <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to fight uh what's his name who's the guy uh, justice winslow that dude pissed me off so much that series <laughs> justice winslow hassan whiteside josh richardson dragish spolstra lowry no not lowry uh, Chalmers. somebody so Embiid got knocked down and then uh uh, Winslow tried to step on the mask that Embiid was wearing, and it was so stupid. Fucking ridiculous. Embiid blocked the crap out of him. What a, a radicated big shot. And then they blew the doors off in game five here. Zoom off. <laughs> got, got the call that game because it wasn't on national TV. Thank God. 
Um, let's see. Number six. The Miracle at the Meadowlands. Deshaun Jackson's Deshaun Jackson's punt return. And the Eagles went ten and four that after that game. I knew uh, I was gonna forget that. I think it was it Matt Fuck. Matt oh, I forget the punter's name. Oh, uh, it was the um, rookie. Matt Dodge. Matt Dodge. Dude, Coughlin wanted to kill him. I think and they said that Coughlin told him to kick it out of bounds, and for whatever reason he hit he a did. line drive punt directly at Deshaun right Jackson. At him. Didn't have who, any hang time. Who by the way muffled Oh, yeah, he the fucking punt. At, the, at the at the point of he caught and him. then did a, a quick hezzy little stutter step and then boom Matt boom. Dodge, you see him go for the, <laughs> the I like how they slow motion him trying to tackle uh, Deshaun Jackson Deshaun Jackson hits flat on his face and then doesn't move because he knows Deshaun Jackson is gone and it's a touchdown. Jason Avant blew whoever that was up on that play. When he got hurt Joe, too. Joe right? Buck just goes, get some block. <laughs> but Avant just blew whoever that, I don't know who it was, but he murdered that guy. <laughs> I think he got murdered too. Yeah. I think he just didn't get up either. He was <laughs> out for a while. <laughs> he threw everything into that block, <laughs> including himself. Yeah. But yeah, Deshaun uh, Jackson, Meadow, Miracle of the Meadowlands. Number six for me is going to be the Roy Holiday perfect game. In down in Miami against Ooh. the Marlins, um, 27 up, 27 one. down. Yeah, same year. Oh, it actually, you didn't know that because you were probably watching game one of the Stanley Cup as that was happening. So the Flyers were playing, game, that Flyers were playing <laughs> I think it was a Saturday. Flyers were playing game one against uh, the Blackhawks on NBC, and over on Comcast Sportsnet, one channel down, uh, Halliday's throwing a perfect game down in Miami against the Marlins. <laughs> Um, the final out of that game, I want to say, was, I think, was Wes, I think it was Wes Helms, former Philly. Mm, it was a ground ball to third base. My dad, so he, my parents used to be season ticket holders with the Phillies. Uh-huh. One of the, like every year, the Phillies will give you some as a season ticket holder. He has a copy of the lineup card from that game in really? a frame in his, in his bedroom. Right next to it is a picture of Ruiz and Halliday. And then right beneath it is a copy of the lineup card from the no hitter he threw against the Reds and a picture of him Shit. and Ruiz next to it which is awesome too that's pretty cool very cool all right rob top five top five so i have far. an honorable mention by the way that i forgot to fucking say jesus another one. <laughs> the, the, the patrick robinson pick six against the vikings i forgot about that one. Oh yes yes, yes, yes. he reminded me because uh, somebody tried to block Jarek mckinnon and the, the eagles guy tried to block mckinnon but he got blown up but it worked <laughs> and robinson <laughs> wound up scoring so that's number 18 for me um uh, it's safe to say that our top five, we're going to have at least one, if not two, similarities. Because thus, so far, including our honorables, nothing's overlapped. I think we have – the top two will probably be the same. Three definitely won't be on yours, and I don't think four and five will be on yours either. But I'm interested to see what you say because I don't know. Let's go. All right. What else you have? Uh, number five, you already mentioned it. Matt Stairs going yard on oh. Jonathan Broxton. He and the NLCS to go to the <laughs> to go to the World Series. I don't think so. I think J Roll the next year ended him when he did the same thing on a walk off double. But uh, yeah, when that happened, I'm like, that's it. Obviously, yeah. we're going to the World Series. Yeah, but at that moment, yeah. we're winning the thing. It's just a matter of how long we are. And Victorino hit one the same game, uh, right over the right field wall after he got and thrown at in game who three. Else was, Craig Dobbs was also sensational as a pinch hitter coming Dobbs, off the. Dobbs match. led the league in pinch hits that year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Matt Stairs, that big old grease ball came up and just crushed one into Chavez, 
Revi- whatever it's called. The Vez Ravine. The, yeah, right that. that. That ball almost cleared the... It went like 15 rows up and right. I think it hit that, Montana one by the time it landed. Oh, it was pissed on. <laughs> uh, that made uh, Matt Stairs a hero forever, too. Oh, yeah. He got a job out of it. Christ, he was a, a color commentator for three years. Hey, I would have gave him. He offered nothing on the broadcast. They would always <laughs> just be like, how similar was that home run to the one you hit against Broxton in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the only question you can direct so to them. I'll get to uh, a little bit more about him in a second, but number five for me, I'm – Shocked you had it as low as you did. The Joel Embiid game-winning shot <laughs> against the Toronto Raptors this past Wednesday. Is, I know. I is know. maybe it's different because I didn't live through the process here. Though. I felt so and fulfilled by that. And you also didn't see the Kawhi shot. I so didn't. to watch just all of the Embiid, he's never going to play. He's he's out of shape. He's three hundred pounds. He can't do this. <laughs> it was a waste. They should have drafted Aaron Gordon. All this stuff. And for him to just do that three years after what we just listened to earlier is it's just incredible. And I love that dude. So I just want him to succeed. So I, I want him to get a championship here. He can leave, he can go wherever he wants after he can go to the Warriors for all I care after he, after he wins the title here, yeah. I will happily never cry about basketball ever again. If they win a championship, I, I, I can just die happily. And for him to do that, for him to hit that shot after game seven last year against the Hawks, the the sweep in the bubble against the Celtics, losing in seven to Toronto, he finally gets through a season healthy. They get Simmons off the team. They get him help, and he hits that shot after being cursed at all game long, yelled at by the fans. How how fulfilling do you think that had to be for him? All right, I'm going to move my number 12 to number five. Matt Sears goes to number 12. I'll just flop him, all right? Fair. Matt, <laughs> he wore number 12, so it makes sense. Oh, look at that. Perfect. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't, like I said, I didn't live through all that. I didn't see the shot yeah. until today, so I would have had it higher. But I felt like it was more recency bias. Yeah, the so, shot eh. itself. I mean, how many game-winning shots have there been in, in sports? I mean, a million of them. But that, given the back, the context, and how yes. he got there. Yeah, it just matters so much more, and it's so, it's just so sweet. Ah, oh, dude. I, After all the suffering to feel something like that, and to see all the shots he's missed at the end of games. <laughs> crazy yeah he's never going to be this he's never going to do this he's up 3-0 and the fake mvp is down 3-0 so thank you i hope they i mean jesus i hope they give him the mvp well he's the real mvp because all the players are calling him mvp when you have kevin durant telling you the mvp and kyle kuzman all these other players that know all, what the, doing. all the pundits on tv are calling him the mvp kendrick perkins a full face him and doc rivers have gone completely face turn and windhorse <laughs> like when Windy. the nwo turned face they've all kendrick perkins hell is that of course Stephen a smith goes on the air yesterday and says i need more from james harden i mean oh, come on blow hard relax Get all right there. number four uh it's a, it's a double it's a twofer i think we have the same number four no, i don't think so i don't think we have it's the, the phillies world series uh speeches like after uh, the fact uh this one in particular uh harry carey the late great Harry Carey, I think, oh, Harry or Harry Callis, yeah, uh, introduced this player, uh, Chase Utley. And Chase Utley came up there and said, "World champions, world fucking champions." P- fucking Citizens Bank Park erupted. I erupted when I heard it on TV. He said it so fast they didn't even bleep it. I don't even think they would have if they could have. <laughs> I was, was like, so, they were, you know, we'll take the fine. How iconic is that moment, dude? It is. And then he was, he said something quick after that, and then. I realized uh, Edge was in the background. <laughs> 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 oh, 
and then talk I'll talk about let... a hideous human being. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, he's the hideous human being that told Bryce Harper when they were in Washington that you will yeah. be a Philly. So you will be a Philly in three years. Edge did his thing, but yeah, yeah. Thank uh, you. Chase Double agent. We have our own Al Horford, and it was Jason Worth. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Chase Oddly with the world fucking champions. Uh, yeah speech at the world series that i do great. love when people say i love how much of a class act chase Utley was my favorite moments that time he said f-bomb on tv <laughs> <laughs> and also he took out one of the uh mets players on, uh, on a slide so, so there, there's a picture on twitter somebody tweeted it at it it was on like chase Utley appreciation day which was like some <laughs> mets fans were so pissed about chase Utley, and somebody turned the day into chase Utley appreciation day it might have been father's day for the state, Chase Utley is the father of the Mets and Pat Burrell too. Um, there's a picture of Chase Utley and it was a thread. And one of the tweets is toward the end of Chase Utley's career, he wore this hat and it's the Dodgers hat. Yeah. The L stands for let's attack Mets players. <laughs> I mean, Christ, they named a part of the stadium Utley's corner because he keeps it. He kept hitting home runs at city field to the right field wall. Holy shit. <laughs> so it's like not actually Utley's corner, but that's what they call it. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> What's your number four? Uh, Jimmy Rollins walk-off double. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and game two against uh, game four against LA. That that ended that series basically because they won game five and they lost game two, but game four. So also, mind you, Broxton off Broxton. Yeah, part of Broxton's <laughs> collapse that inning is when he walked Matt Stairs. He walked him on four pitches. He was shooketh. <laughs> Matt Stairs came up the pinch hit. First of all, he comes up to Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. <laughs> Great. Uh, I think Ruiz got on ahead of Stairs. I think Ruiz had a single. Stairs walks. They pinch run Bruntlett for stairs. And I don't think Broxton recorded an out that inning. And Rollins just pissed on that ball. I was at that game. Yeah. Silence before that inning. The fans were completely out of it. Like could not give less of a heck. And boom, here comes Ruiz is on. Stairs is on. Here comes Bruntlett. Rollins just absolutely obliterated. He threw him a fastball <laughs> and he absolutely obliterated it. And Fransky absolutely murdered that call on the radio. So, <laughs> that was that's honestly one of my favorite moments in sports history. All right, we're done. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm surprised it only it was four, but the top three are too easy. Dude, it was it was great. Uh number three, uh the Phillies winning the World Series in two thousand eight. Uh Brad Lidge with the strikeout. Perfect season. It was tremendous. That that moment lives rent I was the happiest I've ever been. Happier than uh, the Eagles winning it all because I actually watched that fucking thing from beginning yeah. to end. Yeah, post-season. it rivals it for me. Yeah, but uh, number three, two thousand eight World Series. That was such Phillies. a great. It was a good series. I mean, it really wasn't a good series if you're not a Phillies fan because it really it was not competitive. But yeah. the Phillies winning was awesome. And I did uh, see game... the sign that said, "Yo, Adrian, we did it." And yeah. I was like, "That's there was a, gold. There, So I was at two of the World Series games. We, uh, I think, we sold game one, or maybe my dad gave the tickets to my sister. Um, I was at game four, the one where Joe Blanton hit the home run. Uh-huh. And then it was Joe a game Bland. Five. Yeah, so uh Howard had two, Utley had one. Um Blanton hit one. They won like 10-2. And sure. then game 5, first half of game 5 was the coldest night I've ever been outside. That was raining, it was disgusting. Hamels and it was Hamels and Casimir, so they couldn't have asked for a better pitching matchup. Yeah, right. Trophy was in the building. They didn't want to just cancel the game. They suspended it. it went back two nights later, it was beautiful outside. <laughs> Got out of there at like 8:30 cuz the game the resumed game started at like 7:30. So they only had to play two innings. Uh, but that was awesome, that whole series. But um, number three for me, uh, it works out because it was game three. The 2010 Stanley Cup, uh, Claude Giroux's game winner against the Blackhawks in overtime. That was the loudest that building's ever been. And I will 
I think that's truthfully the loudest that building will ever be. When closure, <laughs> so they had two moments that playoff run. So really, number three is kind of the whole 2010 playoff run for the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, when they were the seven seed, they got into the playoffs, winning a shootout on the final game of the year. They beat the Devils in five. Mm-hmm. The number two seed, the Devils in five. They went seven against the Bruins. They were the fourth team in sports history to come back from 3-0 down. Yeah. And in game seven, they were down 3 nothing. So game four, uh, Simone Gagne's first game back, he scores in overtime. That was loud. Game six, the end of that game, when Michael Layton makes a save and somebody clears the puck down the ice, that was loud. But um, when they And then they beat the piss out of the Montreal for uh, the Eastern Conference. Game three against the Blackhawks, loud as that place will ever be when Giroud tapped that puck in. Damn. So that's number three for me. I, I gotta I gotta hear it, but it won't even do it justice. You have to be actually in. Yeah, even in the in the video, it's twelve years old. The video, but it still oh, sounds dude. incredible. They should have um, won that stupid series. I can't believe they lost that series. I mean, I think one and twos. Think, For yeah, whichever order you want to put it in. Well, I don't know. It, well, I don't know because you have. I don't know. I have an eclectic group here. All right, number two, Nick Foles, the Philly special. That right there, when he caught that touchdown. Yeah. Game set match. The the good thing about that game is Doug Peterson went into it not trying to not lose. He went into it trying to win. I like that. And I applaud that. Even if they had lost, I, I was totally fine with him going into it playing to win, not playing to not lose. Uh number two is just the World Series 2008. And I guess subsequently getting back there in 09, but winning in 08 was just so awesome. Uh my grandfather was still alive for it. My parents were obviously there to see it mm-hmm. i was there too um there was an older guy that worked for my dad that was like kind of getting up there in age and he kept saying i'm, I'm gonna live through the fall i'm gonna live through the fall he was a big phillies fan he lived through the world series and he died um, but um that was cool and that team like everything went right for that team yeah i think i think when the, the phillies went off like i can now say that i've seen an actual philadelphia win a t- uh, i didn't think i was title. ever gonna see it and then they did it and so there was actually a sign in the stands this is what I was getting at when I was saying I was at the games. There was a guy that had a sign that was spinning, and it was 80 and 08. Uh-huh. And it was obviously spinning and spinning and spinning. It said champs on it. So it worked out because they <laughs> won in 1980 and they won in 08. Oh, dude. I think I pervaded him. I think I said, all right, Eagles, it's your turn. Because <laughs> I didn't yeah. really watch the, the Sixers that much. Flyers should have gotten one in the time span there. Ah, oh, brutal. And then number one, Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Has to be. And be- defeating the evil empire. If they beat the Jags, it would have not been as special as if it, if they beat the Patriots. If the Jags would have won that game against the past two weeks prior, which they should have won because they got yeah. screwed, it, it wouldn't Bortles. have been. It, yeah, beating Bortles and Fournette doesn't match beating uh, and uh, Doug Marone. It doesn't match beating Brady Belichick and Fat Boy with the the highlighter, um, <laughs> or not highlighter the uh, the number two pencil. pencil. <laughs> yeah, number two pencil behind his ear. Uh. <laughs> My favorite moment of that Super Bowl is after the Philly special. You just see Patricia on the side. Of- like sucking his lips or whatever yeah, after fuck. the touchdown. Fuck, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, the the Jake Elliott field goal that put that game kind of on ice. So the Eagles were up by five. Mm-hmm. It was 38-33 after the Ertz touchdown. Elliott kicked a field goal. People forget that this happened because they only remember the Ertz play, the sack, and the Foles touchdown. Yeah. But Jake Elliott hit a field goal, long field. It was like 40 yards to put them up by eight. And that really – probably the most underappreciated moment of that whole game. Not that and the fact kick. that uh, Jalen Mills also broke up a pass on the goal line to Gronk in the first quarter. That was also a big play. So a lot of plays in that Super Bowl that go under underappreciated, but 
Corey Clement being the leading receiver for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Alshon Jeffrey catching him, just basically mossing Eric Rowe. Trey with Burton. The, uh, torn rotator cuff. Trey Burton throwing a touchdown pass. A dime. Um, Lane Johnson running out, holding up Jason Peters' jersey. Um, well, was it the same game where uh, fuck, Malcolm Jenkins cooked? cooked? Yeah, he, he put Brandon Cooks to sleep and he woke up on a different team. <laughs> That kind of you know, eliminated their entire game plan on offense. I probably did. And Hogan and uh, uh, not not Welker. What's the other guy's name? Edelman went off that game, and Gronk obviously had two touchdowns. But you got to see the best of Brady and Belichick, and you still beat them, which is yeah. what made that so much sweeter. And it was nice outside. It was raining when the game began. And look at this. It was nice when it ended. And look at this. We're exercising demons. The last time we were in the Super Bowl was against the same quarterback and coach, and we should have won that game. We and got they host. cheated. We got hosed then, Spygate. and we win now, exercising our demons. There you go. It full, all comes full circle. Dude, uh, don't you love it when things come to full circle? We live in a simulation. Oh, Elon Musk is like, I told you. I told you we live in a simulation. Just to but put yeah. a bow on everything, um, Kyle Kuzma the other day on Twitter said, you know the league is in good hands when you have no idea who's going to win the championship, and I truly have no clue who's going to win the title this year. Yeah. like you, um, you, you can make a case for almost like 10 different teams. I mean, who? I mean, Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Heat. That's five from the East. You can I make mean, a case for the Warriors. You can make a case for Memphis. You can make a case for the Suns. Make a case for. I mean, you could make a case for the Jazz. They probably won't. But every there's a lot. There's probably about nine or ten teams you think could win it. And realistically, in two months from now, if you said this team won the title, you go, oh, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I saw that one coming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, Game Four, Saturday. Phillies tonight, a slate of NBA games tonight as well. And by the time we record, could we be, we already be talking about second round Sixers after sweeping I or gentlemen sweep. So I think I want them to sweep Toronto. I think it'd be cool. Beat them on their own home floor. And uh, give Joel some rest. But I do think it's a good thing if they lose. Now hear me out. Ah, yes. I don't love having a week off between games. Sports is you can't quantify, but sports is all about momentum. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Glenn Rivers, Doc Rivers, did a good job game planning for this series the last week or so. So maybe with time off, he can kind of get them ready. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing if they lose Game Four. One, you win on your home floor, that'd be kind of cool. I want to beat them in Toronto though, so yeah. I'm totally fine with the sweep. But I don't think it's a bad thing if they lose Game Four and they have to play a fifth game. It I don't get me wrong. I still want to sweep them. I hate them. I want to see Drake crying. I want to see him be just like flipping off the fans. Like just go full heel turn, do, do the, uh, the degeneration X thing. Start like trying to really suck it. Um, and put it at the same time. I, I think if they lose, it's good for them. I don't, I'm not somebody you that do always, need a loss. I don't, I'm not usually somebody that says that, Oh, I think they need to lose a game. That did them good losing that game. But I think for them, they need to lose a game because they're going to be playing against a really dangerous Miami team next round. And for them to at least bounce back. Yeah would say a lot about him. I don't love having a whole lot of time off in between games either. It's good for Embiid. It's good for Harden, but, and good for Tobias too, because, but I don't want them to cool off in that time span. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it, Harden like with the week come off. Out flat. Yeah. Not good if Harden's off for a week. Like 50 All right. pounds. Yeah. Um, and Embiid, he'll get rest, but I think he's in that momentum and game set. Like, all right, yeah, let's when go. You're in the, when you're in that, it's like taking a week off of work. When you go back, you feel so behind and so lousy. You don't. You're in the swing of things. You're working nine to five every day. In you take theory, a week off, you go back and it feels weird. Yeah, in theory, it would be like 
say the Heat and Hawks go six for whatever reason. That's your next matchup. You're fresh, and then they're just coming off a grueling six games. Yeah. But they're in that momentum. Their they're bodies in that mode, are yeah. And you're coming, you know, cold in their home court, basically. Yeah, if the Sixers go four. But we match I, up better, though, so. Yeah, I don't want the I don't want the Heat series to go very long then if the Sixers go four, because I don't want them to be in the swing of things. Grant Ed Spolcher is a better coach, so I guess more time off will he'll be able to game plan. But I don't know. I don't want that that series to go super long if the Sixers doesn't. If they both go seven, then it's just who's better, and the Sixers are. So, yeah, I think sure. Sixers went on. So I, I said for a while that that Saturday game would be a clunker. I think that's a way that they will. They could sleepwalk into that game, but this is a different Sixers team. Yeah, I know we've said that a lot, but this is not your, you know, this is not your father Sixers team. This is not the team that uh, that blows leads as much. I mean, as they did before, but we'll uh, see how Toronto bounces back. I mean, I don't think they could easily won that game. Yeah, and Harden fouled out. They, will they continue to use that defensive scheme and get him in foul trouble and force, I don't know, Tobias Harris to shoot more now? Like it's up to Toronto to how they respond. Sixers know they can win in Toronto now. Yep. They are now up 3 nothing. Let's see what I, happens. I don't think there's any truth behind this, but it feels in my brain as though when you're up, when you're the better team, yeah, and you're going to the other team's city, the first game in that city is usually close, and the second one is usually more of a blowout. I could see the Sixers winning in game four by 10+. plus. <sighs> If I can put a parlay in, it'll be Sixers bands ten through twenty or eleven through twenty. Yeah. And same thing for Brooklyn next game. I'm very confident. That's my lock of the week is Brooklyn is going to win game <laughs> three by ten or more. Oh, the lock of the weeks. I hated those. I miss them. <laughs> but it's All been right. fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you, anybody that listened. Uh, it's been about a two and a half hour pod, so a lot of good stuff. I thought yeah. we went into this with uh, a good plan and. With everything that went on this past week, it's hard not to cover it in long form. I feel like we'd be doing everybody a disservice, and it's a service to each other. Yeah. If we didn't go into it deep, because we don't really like discuss all of it in depth. On Can the you days imagine? We're not recording. Can you imagine? Yeah, and we hit that turnaround three point. But now, all right, let's go to the baseball team before we run out uh, of time. But more importantly, Jokic was a plus two in the second quarter. What? Nah, nonsense. Um, only way we can end this, we've done some cold endings, but. Very rarely we, we record on Fridays anymore. It's early enough, so this podcast will drop on a Friday. So whenever you listen to this, Saturday, Sunday, this podcast drops. Saturday, but, Sunday. Uh, but... Here we go. We're going into the weekend. So this has been episode five, 51? 51. 51 of the PA Turn Pod. We'll see you next week. Go Sixers. Hey, David. It's Saturday, Sunday. Well, it's my birthday.